want to welcome everybody to Tuesday, January 16th at 6.30 to our regular scheduled meeting. Thank you all for being here. Ms. Evans, roll call vote, please. Councilmember Matthew Finn. Here. Councilmember Denise Rogers. Here. Councilmember Terry Nolan. Here. Councilmember Amy Lance. Here. Councilmember Barry Thomas is absent. Vice Mayor Jeremiah Barron. Here. Mayor John Hughes. Here. Thank you, Ms. Evans. Everybody, please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated if you'd like to stand for the invocation. You may do so. Our dear kind Heavenly Father, as we come before thee on this beautiful, crisp Tuesday night, we ask a special blessing on all of us that we may be able to discuss the matters of this town in a positive, uplifting note and not attack one another. And we ask thee to help those that are on the council with all their personal time because they spend so much time with us. We ask to help our town and our attorneys and our town manager, Mr. Field, with everything that they need to. We ask thee to bless this area with rain as we so badly need it. And we also ask for blessings on whatever happened up in Blue Hills with the family and whatever they need. Thou knows what it is. We're truly Grateful, we ask thee if it's thy will to please send us rain on this next storm. We need it so badly. We're grateful for the many blessings. And once again, help us to realize that we need to be kind and loving and look for the good in people because we can find bad in everyone if we choose to look for that. So help us all to have the desire to look for the good. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Announcements about outside meetings and committees. So, go ahead, Miss Lance. Um, just to let everybody know here and in the community, thanks everybody for coming. It's wonderful to see faces. Um, that this Thursday, the 18th, from 12 to 2, is going to be our first um, St. Mary's mobile food distribution. So, if anybody is in need, please. Come on down, right down the street to the uh, parking lot where the uh, Awa Fria Day Festival and Dumpster Days are. Thank you. Mr. Mayor? Yes, Mr. Nolan. Yeah. In addition to that, you can stop at the community center between 1 and, and 3 and pick up for free bread. So. Last Wednesday, I attended the Central Yavapai Regional Metropolitan <clears throat> Organization uh, retreat. And uh, we discussed uh, a couple of items that pertain to our town.
the uh, roundabout, which will be uh, 25, 26 uh, fiscal year. And uh, they're out to bid at the end of this um, year for that. And then the other one is the Sundog Connector, the study session, uh, or the study is going to be released the first quarter of this month, or this year, sorry, be um, like March. So uh, look for that and you can uh, see the options that are there, um, a no build, a build, and a couple of different routes. So um, those are a few of the things that we discussed there. They're also working on um, trying to uh, do an uh, inter-government agency um, bus route from Prescott to Prescott Valley. So um, and also talking about the tribes uh, bus from the Birdie Valley to Cordes to here to Prescott. So the SEMPO is taking over the bus deal to try to talk about uh, commuti commuting from Prescott to Prescott Valley for people that need that option. Uh, Gino's also doing it. They're in conjunction with all of them. So trying to get it to the Quad City area eventually in, in the future. It's going to be a while, but uh, it's working out well for Prescott Valley right now with their uh, dial-a-ride, and um, so they just wanted to carry forward with that and eventually Moving on to item six, public comment on non-agenda items. The council wishes to hear from the citizens at each meeting. Individuals may address the council on any issue within its jurisdiction. Council members are forbidden by Arizona Open Meeting Law from answering your questions, discussing issues raised, or taking legal action on matters raised during public comment. A three minute per speaker limit shall be imposed. Everyone should read the notation on the agenda, which more fully explains the town's laws and procedures. All right, who's first? Come on up, Miss. Grant. Hi, I mean this in the most kind and loving way. Mr. Mayor and Mr. Field, there's a council member who has accused me in public of holding up the revision of the general plan. This is manipulating a council member, a committee member, and there are consequences for that. <coughs> we are here to ask questions and discuss solutions. And when you have the nerve to lie in public about a committee member, it's time for you to step down. I will not be manipulated or silenced, and I intend to do my job to the best of my ability with the time I have left. Hamilton. Jack Hamilton Dewey. On January 8th, I turned in a public record request for the legal descriptions for Old Black Canyon Highway. Now the law says the request will be filled promptly. The question is, what does promptly mean? If it takes a lot of research, it may be three or four weeks. But if you have it on hand, it should be done within a couple days. These are on hand, and I still haven't received them. Now, the town is not violating the law, because there's no real thing, but it's in violating the intent of the law. It's like you're trying, 
you're going to get what you want, but we're not going to follow the law because we can get around it. It reminds me of the federal government. They do what they want to accomplish their goals with the government. Screw the citizens because they don't count. Nell Carlsmith, Dewey Humboldt, um, citizen. I'd like to um, just make a statement about the legal description. Um, it's quite possible that the town of Dewey Humboldt doesn't have the full legal description of Old Black Canyon Highway. And the ownership of the land in which the uh, Old Black Canyon exists, um, if anything, they may have a portion of a legal description, but they don't have the full legal description, and they can't be held to task to go out and provide that for you, sir. Thank you. Lee Clough, Dewey Humboldt. Most of you know it snowed pretty good the other day. So I want to get up here and thank the Public Works. It was kind of irritating on Facebook. Somebody dared to say um, that they had not been up there and plowed. But several of us residents got onto them and said, maybe you should go out to the road and look instead of just taking pictures from your window. Because we all knew, and I'm way up past all of them, and my husband's like, they were up here early. So I just want to thank them and say, kudos, we really appreciate it. And, you know, there's times we know that they can't even get the, the plow up on that smoke eye hill because that's just steep. Um, but we could tell that they were trying, and it had melted and froze, and it was a mess, but we're really grateful. I'm hoping that somehow we might think about helping them get cinders or something another way because one time I did see them out there trying to shovel stuff, and that's too dangerous when the roads, people were sliding. We don't want anybody hurt, and there were two vehicles that did go off, so I hope that they choose to shut down Pony next time because that was really bad. Um, but I'm just really grateful that they care enough to, to get up, you know, where it's having problems. Or if they hear about a problem, they try to get right out there and get to it right away. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, I am grateful for the time that you all put in for the council and for us as town members. I do appreciate that. Even though we don't always agree and think the same, I think we can still all be friends and work to get along. Um, I do want to thank... Um, both the attorneys that we have. I want to thank our town manager because I think there's a lot of time that goes into it. And I just want you to know, even though I get frustrated and I'll call you out if I think you're lying and I'll prove you wrong, um, I still care. And I still, it's about the issue. It's not about you personally, that I do care about each of you personally and that I do try to, you know, consider it's just the issue we're fighting over. I remember Mayor Hughes told us a long, long time ago, Say what you want to say in here, but the minute we adjourn, we're friends again. Remember that? And I've tried to stick to that, even though some people are still angry at other people for different things. If we all will just start looking for the good, and you can find good in everybody. And believe me, you can find bad in everybody if you want to look. And we're all good at that. And maybe if we can just try to start looking for the good in all of us, including ourselves, I think maybe... We can be happier. And the last thing is 728, I think it was, letters went to Chris Mays on the 
rock quarry. I do have letters if anybody wants to sign them afterwards because we're trying to get to a thousand. Chris Mays was very happy and very surprised. And even though we can't stop it, we can turn our letters in. And Chris Mays was amazed at how many people really care about that. So thank you. Who's next? All right. Seeing none, we'll move on to item seven, town manager's report. Actually, Mayor, I'm going to suggest, uh, because of the number of items we have on the agenda, if okay. we can skip that, please. Okay. I'm going to move on to item eight, is a consent agenda. A, to approve of the intergovernmental agreement with the Yavapai County Flood Control District for a fiscal year 2023-2024 contribution from the district to the town in the amount of $50,000 for flood control improvements. Mr. Mayor? Yes. Uh, yeah, I want to make a motion to approve the consent agenda as presented. All right. I'll second that. Motion been made by Mr. Nolan, seconded by Mr. Finn. Any discussion on the motion? Okay. Seeing none. Yes, Mr. Okay, come on up, Mr. Carlson. Okay, thank you very much. Nell Carlsmith, uh, Dewey Humboldt citizen. I'm. I'm here to state that I've read this intergovernment agreement and it's for this fiscal year 2023-2024 effective July 1st 2023 we're five months into the fiscal year and we don't have much time on our hands to spend $50,000 in tax dollars part of this agreement it, it seems like Dewey Humboldt, the town, is responsible for the design, engineering, bidding, right-of-way acquisition, supervision, construction, inspection, administration, project management. 50000 is not going to get you very far in this world. Not for that kind of stuff. So if we're doing a quick give me the 50000 so we can take care of immediate needs, it needs to be clarified here. Because if this is something that's going to continue on in the next fiscal year, then we're not being um, we're not making good decisions for this town. Um, and other flood control districts, they share the cost of all of that. So to take on this responsibility by yourself is is a lot. It's a lot to take on for fifty thousand dollars, and how you spend that money is. Um, you have to be accountable because it's ta tax dollars that you're using. So um, and another question that I have is, has Yavapai County identified the parcels in which they own or which we own in, a, as a town to mitigate that flood control issue? Because we're going to have to think about all of those things. Acquisition in itself, that $50,000 could be gone in two days. It's really a small amount of money. So... Please consider that. Thank you. All right. Any others? Okay. Seeing none, Ms. Evans, roll call vote, please. Councilmember Finn. Yes. Councilmember Rogers. Yes. Councilmember Nolan. Yes. Councilmember Lance. Yes. Vice Mayor Barron. Yes. Mayor Hughes. Yes. Thank you, Ms. Evans. All right, moving on to item nine, general business. At this time, I'm going to move O, P, and Q up to the beginning of our uh, general business. 
so that we can discuss the uh, super fun site and that. <coughs> 9-0, oh, it's possible to vote to recess to executive session pursuant to ARS 38431.03A3, A4, and A7 for legal advice, consulting and directing direction concerning various matters pertaining to Iron King Mine Alpholt Smelter Superfund site. Pursuant to ARS 38431.03A3, A4, concerning possible open meeting law violations alleged arise out of the attachments. Mr. Mayor, if I could explain what we're about to do. There are two components of the e section one dealing with the Superfund, and Jim handle it, we'll brief you out. I received an email today, mildly critical of putting an e-session agenda item on the agenda. I'm telling you as, and I'm telling the public, we do that only because, so you can have the option to go into e-session if you prefer. Both Jim and Dan and I believe we can discuss the Superfund side completely in the open. To the extent you have some legal questions that may require advice, we could then go into e-session. As to the open meeting law, I'll be the one taking the lead on that, and you, you found it number of a complaint issued by the ombudsman we'll be talking about that uh, after we after we discuss the superfund uh, we'll, we'll do that before we discuss items e through m so jim you've got to go ahead yeah. mayor and council it's good to be back with you i'm going to note this is the first time i've worn a tie uh, here it's only because I've seen Mr. Sims do it a number of times, and I felt like, as a fellow member of the Brotherhood, I should have done the same. So forgive me if I've shown disrespect by not wearing a tie in the past. Um, the town manager's environmental advisory committee, uh, consisting of Dan Field, Bill Sims, Steve Spire, Ashley Preston, Mel Connell, and myself propose that our committee make a, a report at least monthly to the town council on Superfund matters. Uh, this is the first such report and I've been designated to make that report. It's contemplated that these reports to you, the town council will be accompanied by separate public meetings. Uh, the first committee sponsored public meeting is contemplated to be held in February. And the purpose of our regularly, regularly reporting to you and to the public is mutual education. The committee wants to ensure that you and the public, the town residents understand the Superfund process, are informed fully of key Superfund issues and developments and can exercise your authority to protect the town's health and environment. Likewise, we hope that these reports to us and these meetings will inform the committee members of the community's concerns and desires and help the committee be responsive to you and, and the community. Today, uh, I wish to advise you on uh, four matters of Superfund related as follows. Number one, meetings that were held by the committee with public health experts at the University of Arizona the Arizona Department of Health Services, Yavapai County Community Health, 
service. Number two, we want to report to you on recent and proposed soil sampling of properties posing heightened potential uh, of risk from contaminant exposure. I'm referring specifically to Butte Park, for instance. Number three, um, a meeting that was held this morning. We want to report to you about a meeting held this morning among EPA, DEQ, and town representatives. And um, the fourth item is will be a very general statement about where we are with respect to certain property acquisitions that the town has been, had an interest in in the past uh, that underlie the proposed waste repository sites. So, number one, the public health meeting. Last Friday, the committee met with public health experts at U of A, DHS, Yavapai County, uh, who are familiar with the environmental conditions here in Dewey Humboldt. And the potential for such risk conditions uh, to pose problems or harm to town residents. We wanted to meet with these public health experts to have them prepare presentations to you and to the community um, on public health risks from the historic Iron King Mine and Humboldt Smelter operations. Why do we want to do that? <laughs> well, because um, protection of public health is the essential purpose of the entire Superfund process, and it is the essential purpose of the committee that's been organized to help you work your way through these issues. Um, we want you and the community to see the bigger picture of what EPA is doing and what it's not doing. We want to help um, and, and we want to explain what the Environmental Advisory Committee is doing in response to what EPA is doing and why we're making the recommendations we are to you. Ultimately, we want to put you and the community in the best possible position to manage your own environmental future and protect the community's health. All public health protection begins with this identifying the presence of environmental contaminants in a community and their potential effect on people. Second, identifying the populations who may come in contact with those contaminants, how those contaminants make their way to people, and uh, the essential uptake rates as you're exposed. It also entails identifying the toxicity how poisonous the contaminants are, and then identifying the strategies for removing at least or, uh, or limiting continuing and future exposure to these contaminants. Now, the 2016 RI report, the 2022 FS report, uh, the 2023 ROD, Record of Decision, and all of the soil removal work from 2012 to 2017 has all been about trying to identify exposure and trying to ultimately come up with strategies for how those exposures will be mitigated. Um, don't misunderstand me. I'm not defending EPA's work. Uh, I'm trying to contextualize or explain what EPA has been about. Their general mandate has been to protect public health. We may question whether they are been successful or effective at that. 
Um, but that has been their focus for the past 15 years. Uh, they've taken too long to do their work. Uh, EPA has still not completed its work. Uh, with the work it has completed, there are serious deficiencies. We've identified those. And EPA has not communicated well with the community about the things of most concern to the community, like, does this stuff harm me? And if so, what can I do about it? What the Environmental Advisory Committee has been doing for the past nine months, and I just want to emphasize it's been nine months uh, versus 15 years, <laughs> okay? And, and, be, and if you think about that, it, it may explain why it is that at, from time to time we appear to have been playing catch-up. And the truth is we have been. Uh, 15 years of work to try to get our arms around it, understand it, has not been necessarily easy. Uh, trying to determine the sufficiency of EPA's work in protecting public health, understanding what the community's concerns are, and developing then a, and implementing a viable strategy for the community to manage its future, environmental future, has all been part of what we've been engaged in here. And so the strategy that we've put forward to you previously and that's been accepted by you um, has included these several elements. I want to uh, remind you of these so that you can see the connection between what we've said to you previously and trying to protect public health. We have said to you that you should assert and fully assume the town's exclusive authority to regulate land use. EPA can't do that. You can. Uh, as the exclusive land use regulator, we suggest that you develop and adopt a reuse and redevelopment plan compatible with and protective of EPA's remedy at the Iron King Mine and Humboldt Smelter. We've suggested that you, as the exclusive land use regulator, develop and adopt institutional control ordinances that would complement EPA's controls at the Iron King Mine and Humboldt Smelter, and that you adopt and develop a soil management ordinance that would also protect um, the town residents as they have to deal with soil, primarily through soil excavations into the future. We've also suggested that you acquire ownership of the, per, of the properties constituting the Iron King Mine and Humble Smelter Waste Repository and apron areas to ensure long-term protection of the controls that EPA will construct at a cost we now understand will be in excess of $100 million, by the way, per today's meeting with EPA. So just, just in the last month, it's gone up. <laughs> Uh, from 80 to 100, and and that and the national EPA office has told the San Francisco folks that their 100 million dollar estimate is probably uh, low. So uh, it's to say the federal government is prepared to spend a whole heck of a lot of money uh, in response to these issues. In November and December, it became clear to this to your Environmental Advisory Committee that we had not explained adequately enough to the community why the community should pursue these various strategic actions that I've just identified. Uh, and in the rush to catch up and engage with uh, EPA's 15 years of work, uh, we, we had focused on what they had done and how they had done it, but we had not communicated adequately why these things needed to be done. And the why has to do with protecting public health. Now, there's one person on the committee who has been working 
for 15 years to try to help all the rest of us focus on this, and that's been Ashley Preston, and I wish to personally uh, thank her and congratulate her for the work that she has done. She's now on the committee, and she is helping us uh, address these public health issues uh, appropriately. Each of the strategic actions that we have presented to you in the past and that you have approved are at their core designed to protect public health. The reuse and redevelopment plan is a public health protection measure. Why? Because it is intended to put in place a use in perpetuity that will ensure that the engineered controls EPA will construct will continue and not be um, violated in some fashion. The institutional control ordinances that we have proposed and discussed previously are public health, uh, the public health uh, strategy. <laughs> institutional controls, by definition, manage human behavior so as to limit human exposure to, resi uh, to residual waste. The soil management ordinance that we have proposed to you in the past is a public health uh, strategy that it's intended to manage and minimize exposure to waste residuals in town soils. And PR and property acquisition of the properties underlying the waste repository sites are also intended to ensure respect for and maintenance of uh, the controls that would be put in place. My point is simply this, that all these things, uh, we may not have adequately explained these, uh, why these things are being undertaken. I want to the key takeaway is all of this has been exposure control. Identify what's there and then figure out what's the best way of managing, limiting exposure to these things that are there. Um, and so as we move forward now with this public health education campaign that uh, I've mentioned already and I'll talk a little bit more about now, this campaign is designed to help the public and you to understand the current risks from doing nothing, okay? Uh, the current risks of, un uh, of being exposed to um, contaminants that remain in the environment and to help the public and you understand what you can do with the regulatory legal authority you have to limit exposures into the future. That's the whole, the whole point. Um, these public health uh, messages or presentations, uh, the U of A will be coming to you in the near future at a time that we'll strive to schedule uh, appropriately. I think we're targeting the 20th of February, regularly scheduled uh, council meeting for um, a, a presentation. There will be other presentations that will be made thereafter. And it's contemplated that these very same presentations will be made to the public outside of these chambers so that those who are not here, for whatever reason, can go to those places and get similar information, ask all the questions they want um, from the public health experts, and get then the best information that's available about what the risks are out there. And, and with that information, it is our desire and our hope that the public, as well as you representing the public, 
will be in the best position possible to make the wisest decisions about what you will do with your authority uh, as we go down this road in 2024 to uh, protect public health, to limit exposures uh, of town residents to contaminants. Now, in that spirit of wanting to educate, we also would like to propose that the town engage in additional soil sampling of certain properties in the town. Um, properties that are likely to include some of the most sensitive members of the community, children. Um, these properties would include the Humboldt Elementary School, uh, the parking areas contiguous to the school where children are gathered to be picked up by their parents, the town library, Ed Sand Trail, which is used by children to walk and bike to school, and and uh, at your direction, if you would like, additional sampling of Butte Park, the, the one recreational property that the town owns. These additional uh, soil sampling activities, uh, we believe, will help all of us, but particularly you, to assess the current risk if uh, there, and it will also put you in a position to make an, a very important decision that you're going to be facing in the near future. And that is, what standards are we going, we, you, going to use to measure the contaminant concentrations that are, will remain in, in soils, uh, even after EPA does its work? Um, let me highlight that, if I may, by going to the Butte Park uh, issue. Um, Butte Park was, a sampling was part of a larger uh, sampling event involving five different parcels, you know, the Butte Park parcel plus some residential parcels around Butte Park. Um, I'm going to focus just on Butte Park itself because I think that was the issue of primary concern. Um, Dr. Spire took a total of 13 samples from Butte Park in nine locations. And in those nine locations, uh, nine samples were taken from surface soils and four samples were taken at one foot depth. When compared to EPA's recreational standards, soil standards, which apply to recreational properties like Butte Park, none of the samples were found to pose unacceptable risk to the community, meaning none of the samples had concentrations of lead or arsenic, which are the primary contaminants of concern at the Superfund site, in excess, again, of EPA's recreational soil standards. Now, I, I know that there is a lot of concern about what the standards should be, I'm simply saying when you take the concentrations that were found and measure them against the recreational standards that would normally apply, okay, none of the sample results exceeded those recreational standards. The recreational standards are higher than the residential standards. And why is that? Because it is presumed that, for instance, a child would spend less time at the park in those soils than they would at, at a residence where they live. 
I'm not defending it. I'm saying that's, that's the rationale for why you have a higher recreational standard for lead or arsenic than you would a residential standard, okay? Again, compared to the recreational standards um, of, that EPA has adopted, there was none of the samples at, at Butte Park uh, were, would be deemed to pose unacceptable risk. However, when compared to EPA's residential standards, um, five of the samples are elevated, okay? Three of the five had arsenic concentrations in excess of EPA's residential soil standard. Um, and two of the five samples had lead concentrations in excess of EPA's <laughs> residential standard. Uh, I will note that none of the samples exceeded DEQ's residential lead standard. I mean, I'm sorry that this is might be confusing, but unfortunately, the EPA has one standard, DEQ has a different standard. And what I said a moment ago is that you are going to have to face in the near future what standards you want to use in your community at various properties that are being used in different ways. It's entirely appropriate for you, we think, for you to make that decision, okay, as to what the standard should be. Uh, even if they are more strict than, more stringent than, more conservative than the EPA standards. So if you wanted to, you could decide to say at Butte Park, we will use a residential standard uh, as opposed to the recreational standard. And what might your rationale be? It might be because we value children highly, what community doesn't, and we want to be sure that children who might be there, even for a short time, shorter than they would be at, a, at their own home, are fully protected. You could make that decision. But I also want you to understand, if you make that decision at Butte Park, you've got to also consider the other recreational properties that uh, you have in your town. And what might those be? The, all the BLM land. That's open space. And so do you want residential standards that you would apply at Butte Park to be applied uh, at, on BLM land, for instance? Yes. So um, do you have the EPA's acceptable levels yes. for recreational? Yes. Can you uh, elaborate on those? Yeah. The, recre the recreational standard for arsenic is 274 parts uh, per million. 274. And the residential standard is 35. And then um, our, uh, the other one. And then the lead standard, recreational standard, is 2,245 versus... Uh, the, EP, the EPA standard of, for a residential of 197. So it's considerably different. So they don't take into account um, any, it's all recreational. So I could see a golf course, you know, where people aren't, but when it comes to parks, that their kids dig in sand and dirt, they don't, they don't take that into consideration at all, well, correct? Uh, Theoretically, they do, and, and I'll tell you how. 
they take it into account by saying <coughs> a child may in fact be digging in park soils, but that exposure is of limited duration compared to what that child might be exposed to seven days a week living in his or her home. In that same situation when, when kids don't have a large yard, um, they do spend a lot of time at the park. I mean, so I don't understand how they don't differ. Well, they, they lump it all into one category, I guess. Um, this is the... This is the very kind of consideration that I think could lead you to decide that for our community, um, when we adopt our soil management ordinance that will require you to decide what standards you're going to apply to what properties, zones, that you're going to say, we're going to do it this way. It's going to, we're going to use a more conservative approach. And I want you to understand that, from my perspective, that's, that's your prerogative to do. Um, I'm, I, uh, believe me, I am not here to defend EPA science. <laughs> okay. And I just wanted to clear that up because I was like, that's, I, yeah. yeah. That's a very also, good question. Also, when you talk about BLM, so if, if we were to make it a more strict, um, number how would we even deal with blm that way because we don't have well one jurisdiction thing, over them do we they have the land it's their land so uh -huh. to speak they administer it they manage it but uh, my correct me if i'm wrong bill but i think you do you do zone for it um it, it, it i believe it has a residential zoning designation Thank you, Bill. That's couldn't have said it better. You're making a lot of progress with me, Bill. Okay. 
Um, <coughs> so I that that's the that's the brief background on on Butte Park, and um, and I will just conclude by saying this: we could have communicated to you better on on uh, this matter, uh, and but. This has been a learning experience for, I think, all of us, and it highlights the issue that we ultimately need to deal with as a community, and that is what are the standards going to be at these, at these sites. So there's no, there's no confusion on anyone's part, our part, your part, as to what the standards should be going forward. Um, and you'll note that I am suggesting that, as you may wish, we will go back and do more refined sampling at Butte Park if you believe that the information that has been gathered to date is not sufficient or adequate to satisfy you as to the potential risk. From a, from a technical scientific standpoint, uh, I am told that, that uh, we, we have adequately characterized. However, there are public health issues that you may want to pursue there and if you would like uh, we can certainly go back and do more sampling and analysis there uh, I don't know if you have <coughs> information maybe Dan does but what was the uh, cost of the testing at Butte Street Park for what they did oh boy I don't have that I think it was uh, $14,000 for that would have been for all five parcels oh yeah yeah that was for the whole thing, right? Yeah. Okay. For nine testicles. I'm sorry? No. 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 For all five properties. For all five parcels, okay. Um, the breakdown of Butte Park, the Butte Park portion would be some fraction of that, but I don't know what the fraction is. I didn't even know what the total was, okay, until now. Um, yeah. Christy Bagwell, Humboldt. Um, my question is, if we if the town decides to use uh, whatever level they decide to do, do we have any recourse with EPA for the cleanup to put it at the levels that we choose? That's a great question. Or do we have to take the responsibility to put them at that level? Thank you. That's, that's an excellent question, and uh, we can say anything we want to EPA. <laughs> uh, but, but whether EPA is going to listen and say, yeah, we agree with you and we'll adopt those lower standards, um, I think it's very unlikely. Why? Because they have their science that has led them to the standards that I've identified for recreational anyway, and for them to uh, adopt more stringent standards, they're going to want the science behind it. And um, it would be hard and, frankly, expensive for us, given standard industry protocols for how you assess risk and develop these risk standards to persuade them, EPA, to change their scientific decisions. But notice what I'm saying. They have their science. Ultimately, you have to make the decisions about what you want for protecting yourselves. As to the question very well asked, 
So who will bear the cost of the difference between a Butte Park recreational standard and a Butte Park residential standard? Well, in that case, the, the town will, okay? Uh, so w with, the with the decision to go more conservative comes the responsibility to act accordingly. And, and, and that's something you want to consider too. And that's another reason why you may decide at the park we're going to have a stricter standard because that's just one. But on the BLM land, we're not going to have that because that suddenly exposes us to and BLM potentially to something much larger than um, you're prepared to bear. It also, it also limits your ability. One of the benefits of going down this approach and working with the General Plan Steering Committee, working with the Commission and developing a general plan. And when you read some of the information that's in the plan, they've acknowledged, they've acknowledged that, in fact, we have to work with EPA, but there have to be some development opportunities. Golf course example. So what we can do is, for those areas where you see intense children's use, the areas that Jim described, schools, parks, libraries, it may be that you decide using your land use powers that you want higher standards. Most of those are not currently in the Superfund site. But, it'll, by, by, and, and we, we got your message at the last meeting that we needed to reignite our, the interest in getting the tests done and we intend to do that in all those locations. But by doing that, that'll give us a mechanism to evaluate, to determine how we can how we can do sampling, how we can determine what the standards should be, and that will inform you as we then come to you with land uses, answer the question about how to fund it, you have to find developers who are willing to come and develop, commit funds, that, and to do that, we can't have, you can't have overly rigorous standards. On the golf course, you may want to follow the EPA standards, but we've heard your constituents be worried about where children are. We are going to propose ideas where you can impose higher standards. That shouldn't limit development opportunities in, in, in the repository area. Okay. Excellent. That's 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 exactly right. And and so I, I want to underscore there's been great value in in having the voices raised over the last week. It, it's helped educate me, uh, others of our committee, and and so and hopefully this this explanation also uh, informs you to some degree why. We didn't come to you raising a lot of bells and, and concerns. Uh, we should still have come to you sooner, but we measure, measuring these things against the re recreational standards, it didn't necessarily merit that. Yes. Preston has something. Ah, yes. Sit down, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I just um, want you guys to apply a little bit of common sense to this situation. Um, I don't pretend to know numbers. I never will. After 15 years, parts per million, milligram, that's for the experts. However, I will say this. With the recreational standard that is in place, we could go put a swing set and a playground on the tailings pile the way it is right now and call it good. So, of course, EPA is always going to refer back to that standard. We know in our community especially, they have not done one extra thing. We have fought tooth and nail to get the very basic. So um, apply a little bit of common sense where EPA absolutely does not and realize that um, we're talking about children. I especially would like the lower standard when we know where kids are going to play. Um, B 
BLM land, future stuff, you know, talk about that accordingly. Um, but I think we need to start looking out for the children of our community. Um, as a parent with kids that go to Humboldt Elementary School, do I want it tested accurately? Yes, I've been standing here for 15 years saying, what about the water? Who's changing the water filter? When our kids' water is shut off for a whole year at a time and they're not required to drink out of the fountains, any parent in this room question why? They're turned back on. We need to start asking questions. This is our children. When they're riding their bikes to school, are they breathing the dust coming up from the cars? This is the kind of thing that we're encouraging you. Yes, it was $14,000 to test here. Jeremiah, how much do you value your children? I had a different reason. That's why I asked the price. Well, that's what comes to my mind. How much do we value the children of our community, and how much is this council willing to do to protect them? I'm pretty confident that EPA is not protecting our community to the extent that we should be demanding. So, thank you. Uh, now, Carl Smith, Dewey Humboldt citizen. Um, the soil funds will that go towards? Carl Smith needs to step into the microphone. Well, well, the soil funds. There's two soil districts. Is that right? Uh, dirt districts included in the um, Superfund mitigation. Am I? There's no. There's no district now. There's no districts, but there are developments towards getting those districts established. Is that right? Yeah, in the, in the general plan. We, once we have the general plan, okay. and your commission is going to be helping us, right? we then will embark upon the, the, the efforts to revise the zoning ordinance, <coughs> to revise soil mitigation ordinance, and to revise IC ordinance. All of those need to be in effect. So it will be establishing? Yes, yes. We will that, that money will be allocated to? Well, there's no money. I mean, right, there is no money. And, in the uh, district? No, no, we, we're not forming it. So you're thinking, yes, there are some district taxing districts, but we are, we are not suggesting a taxing district. Okay, so we're not going to have to be taxed on any no. of this no. to mitigate some of the soil concerns that are coming well, up in this that's discussion. That's going to be the challenge. The okay. challenge will be EPA's funds. Jim answered that question well. Yeah. If you want to impose higher standards, I doubt EPM or EPA will find Correct. the funds. You want to do that? We've got to find opportunity, either grants, DEQ, or developers. Okay. That will all come once we have the general plan. Okay. Very good. Sorry for the question. Okay. I'm no. just in my no. mind. No, no taxes. And no apology, please. I mean, these are complex things, and we're all trying to understand. Uh, so, um, if I may, I'd like to turn to today's EPA meeting. Unless there's anything else you think we need to cover to this point. Um, you may recall that EPA's record of decision that was issued in October identified three different but related remedial undertakings. One, consolidate and cap Iron King Mine and Humboldt Smelter Waste at, in two repositories. That's kind of one undertaking. Second, additional residential soil sampling and cleanup um, using more conservative revised soil cleanup standards. That was another undertaking. Third, uh, EPA said it would undertake additional groundwater 
assessments to determine whether groundwater needs to be cleaned out. So consolidate and cap, more soil work, more groundwater work. It makes you wonder if they've made a final decision at, at all with saying there's more work to be done. But um, what we learned today is that the agency, the EPA, intends to commence the additional residential soil sampling and cleanup work immediately. When I say immediately, they wish to send out 3,000 fact sheets to community residents within the next two to three weeks. They are considering an open house with the community to discuss and explain the agency's plans. Uh, they estimate that they're contacting between 100 and 200 property owners for access agreements to undertake additional sampling and possible cleanup. Uh, and they want the town to support and facilitate the agency's communications to town residents about the additional sampling and cleanup. Um, the agency apparently wants to complete as much sampling as possible before September 30. This is my interpretation of what they said today. Why September 30? Because that's the end of the fiscal, federal fiscal year. And why uh, get it done by then? Because they want to be shovel ready uh, with its, with EPA's residential soil cleanup work. Shovel ready is the term or the measuring stick that they've been using to access bipartisan infrastructure law monies. Okay. You've probably heard that term before where EPA is saying we've got to move quickly in order to get BIL money that's now available before that money is exhausted. What they're saying now, it's, and I will just note this, it's no surprise to me, <laughs> uh, that they have moderated their expectations considerably as to what, what they'll be able to accomplish to access that BIL money. All the prior discussion with you that you may have heard from them is that we're going to move quickly, quickly, quickly in order to uh, get as much of the BIL money as possible for the waste repository construction and all the rest of it. What we heard today is we've got to move quickly, quickly, quickly on the soil cleanup, residential soil cleanup, uh, because we can get that piece done and uh, get it shovel ready by September 30 and access the money before it's all gone. With respect to the rest of it, um, that will take another year or two, I heard them say today, to design the, the, the cap and the whole contouring and all of that up there at the Iron King Mine and Humboldt Smelter. And they're not going to be able to get BIL money for that. That's going to take too long. They're not going to be shovel ready before the BIL money is gone. So, Um, all of this time, they have been saying that they weren't going to be coming out and doing residential properties. And then they would, then they said they would do it afterwards. So my question, I guess, is have they been contacting homeowners because they want to do it in February, between February and September? Apparently. And here again, our community is not being educated and 
Precisely, and we we then said. I wonder why nobody shows unless them on their property. We we said that today. We said, look, may we suggest to you that you just hold up long enough that we can uh, communicate to the public to the community what your plans are. Otherwise, three thousand flyers showing up next week, uh, and you announcing an open house is going to come completely flat. In fact, it might even generate a lot of anger. So will you please give us an opportunity to talk about this internally and see how it dovetails or should dovetail with the very public outreach that I've been talking about here this evening. How, how does that dovetail with the public health campaign? We may be able to find a way to do that. But, for, but we said to them, don't, don't ignore... If you want our help, don't ignore our advice. <laughs> uh, they said we need to. We'll hold off a little bit, but we got to get this thing done. We got to move forward. We got to get that money. Now I'm. I look to my compatriots here. Am I overstating this? Or no, they. They did for the first time. They told us because they haven't answered this question. They will inform us of the property owners. They will be contacted. Yeah, that's new. So um, they need you as much as you need them for the hundred million. They need you to help explain to your constituents what's going on. That's the outreach that Jim is talking about. So with this remediation for residential, they will be they will be paying the government will be paying for it. So it would be beneficial for our residents to take advantage of it at this time because in the future they'll be gone and whomever has the property will have to pay for it at that time. That's correct. So the more, again, the more we can get it out to the public instead of just jumping the gun and going, hey, here we are. Um, I, I just, I don't understand EPA's approach. I just don't. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not defending that. I just, I'm explaining what they, what they gave to us and, and um, we do, I, I, your point is well taken, Amy. This is as painful as it may be to go through this exercise again, okay? This is probably, and I'm going to say probably, this is the last opportunity to get soil cleaned up in your yard, okay? That's the message that this is the last opportunity. The money is set aside or uh, it's been earmarked in Washington, okay? They have adjusted their standards down, so we're going to be at the lowest, most protective levels that we've seen in Dewey, okay? 197 for lead. I think it's 35 arsenic. Those are the lowest standards so far, and that's in part why they've got to go back and sampled in a lot of places. So even places, even houses and residential areas that have been tested and remediated. They may, yes, they indicated today that they may want to do that uh, to ensure an, an adequate characterization of a property in light of these new standards. They are willing to do that. Yes. Because that's where I have a question. I mean, we're all going to have questions because they don't always seem to be. Well, that's the kind of thing we could ask at an open house if they 
if we want them to come and do that. Yeah. People have to be willing to. They have to say yes. Okay. That, 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 that's, that's, EPA cannot, well, they can, but they won't. <laughs> they, they have the authority, but they won't enter onto anyone's property unless they have a, uh, an access agreement signed by that property owner. And I will just tell you that it also, there's another issue there that we'll have to deal with in the future, and that is EPA will not share the data results uh, in a manner that uh, identifies the property owner or the property because of privacy concerns. So we've got to, we've got to work out how do we benefit from the information that is needed to protect human health in the town and still protect the privacy of the property owner from whose property the data has been developed. That'll be worked out. But. Is there an avenue that a homeowner can contact them ahead of time? Uh, not, not at present. Well, there is, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, you could contact Jeff down. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to fly here. I, I, your point is well taken, Matt. I, I would suggest that we make that point clear that if you want our help, then uh, take some of these suggestions. Yeah, I'd like to see a pathway for our people to. Yeah, to go sure. Down Absolutely. And, and, and personally, I mean, I, I, I would recommend that everyone who is approached, and, and let me be clear, not everyone in town is going to be approached. That's what I'm afraid of. Okay. Who's going to be approached are those parties, property owners, where EPA believes that there is inadequate characterization, okay, in light of the new standards against what has already been found. So it's possible that a property owner could go to EPA and say, I want my property tested. And EPA would say, thank you, but we don't need that information at your property. That will need to be explained, but I'm going to let EPA explain that. I'm not going to explain. Why? Because that's that's their issue. It's not not ours. So that brings up another question. Sorry. Yeah. Um, at this point, they have they've already over the years decided what they would and wouldn't test. Right. We we're going to have to. I mean, you guys, especially because you're the committee, are going to have to educate people because we're going to have institutional controls at some point. Yes. So if say I have a property that is contaminated and I don't want it tested now. At some point, I'm going to have to have it tested, whether it be now, 20 years from now, when I die and my family sells it, so that's very, going to have to very, be tested. And if it's contaminated, it, it will be our fiscal responsibility for cleanup very, instead of having EPA. Thanks. Now, you. when it comes to the properties that they will and won't test, we now know that even over on Ed Sands Trail, there is tailings, exposed tailings. And I don't believe that's part of the EPA's properties that they're concerned about. So how do we how do we go about, as well as educating our public, educating our EPA? Excellent, excellent questions. I'm always educated. I, I you know, I mean, forgive me, but oh, the it's... EPA, the government's science does not hold up well with a lot of us. I understand. And um, I, because it's been proven that the government science isn't always, I mean, how many boosters does everybody have to get now? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, 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 
great, great questions. And uh, I, I think what is, it is incumbent upon us as a community to identify these very issues and then take them to EPA. And, uh, and the good news is, EPA said today, this is one of the, I think, real delights for me, where they said, um, we need to sit down more often and talk with you. Okay? Now, I know we may be skeptical about that, but for me, I'm going to take that as, that that's a great opening. I'm going to go through that door. And I think what we ought to do, Amy, is we ought to go through that door with these kinds of issues and say, you know what, you're undertaking this soil work. Did you know that at Ed Sand Trail there is exposed tailing or exposed dross or whatever whatever's there? We ought to we ought to identify those those places in the community. If the and the community has concerns about it, let us know so that we can take it forward. And maybe we ought to have that part of the community outreach that we'll be engaged in here in the near future, so the community can come forward and say, "I'm concerned about X." And we can take that forward to EPA. Now, we can take it forward. What is EPA going to do something about it? Don't know. Well, hopefully, if they're open to having more conversations, I'm hoping, you know, I mean, I, we can hope and, you know, that one, I can't remember the saying in one hand. And, but, and I'll tell you, if, if EPA doesn't, we, we, we can go to DEQ. DEQ will be generally more receptive um, if they're not operating always in the shadow of EPA. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Um, I have a question about I can't I can't get my head around why the numbers are so dramatically different, and and who are these scientists? You know, did some of them come from <laughs> correspondence school, and the other ones came from Princeton or Harvard, or how can it be so different? Are there new discoveries in the field of uh, I mean, how can there be such a difference? I, I am not the scientist, but what I can say is this. It, it, it all hinges on the duration of the exposure. So if, if the duration is short, the exposure can be higher. Why? Because it is less likely that you're going to be harmed by that exposure in over a short period of time. The longer you are exposed, the greater the risk of harm coming to you from that exposure. So the number has to come down. No little asterisks by those numbers that say, oh, this accounts if you are exposed for 20 minutes. This other number accounts if you're exposed for half your life. Well, it's, it, it is presumed in the idea of a record a residential standard. See, it's presumed that if you that the residential standard is applying to someone who lives there 24/7 and will be potentially exposed for that entire period. The recreational standard says we're now we're looking at someone who's going to be exposed maybe I don't know what the number an hour a week or something like that. So given the difference of exposure rates, durations, I should say, the number goes up or down because we're trying to assess the harm that is likely to come from the length of exposure.
Hey, I, I, maybe I misunderstood, but I thought I thought there were two different sets of numbers based on um, two different sets of residential numbers and two different sets of I may, recreational I, numbers. If I if I suggest that I'm new tests and no, now we've found that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, if I suggested that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. The, 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 the standards have been changing over the last 15 years due to new studies that have come out about the risk of lead, for instance. There is a EPA is all animated right now nationally about lead exposures, and they've done a lot more studies and tried to assess the 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 toxicity of lead when ex children are exposed to it. And that has been the primary reason why the lead number has come down at this site from whatever it was previously to what it is now. So there, it is an evolving science, um, and it, it suggests that, you know, you could have more science in the future come out and say we need to drop the standards even more, right? So... Um, that's the essence of the EPA meeting, and uh, I, if you have any more questions, I'm happy to entertain them. Um, anything more? Oh, there's one final issue. I'm sorry. Uh, the PRP property acquisition issue. Uh, I have had a, a meeting with Yavapai County. Yavapai County is prepared to work with us in a manner that would allow the town to... Uh, acquire these properties if the town wishes to in a manner that would insulate the town from Superfund liability by acquiring those properties. So there's more discussion. I'll be having those discussions with the Yavapai County attorney. Very helpful uh, guy and uh, wants to do all he can to help the town accomplish its goals. So overall, the PRPs are going to get a windfall, essentially. Uh, the government's going to come in and clean up these properties, and they will <coughs> still have the properties to do what they want with. Correct? Unless there's someone who comes in and acquires those properties. Excuse me? And requires payment for it? Or, I mean, because... Well, I, I will say this, that, that some of the uh, most important properties at the Iron King mine and the Humboldt smelter are delinquent in their property taxes and have been for years. That has resulted in tax liens being imposed on those properties. Uh, the property owners have, not all of them, but the ones I'm uh, referring to, some of the most important ones, um, have not sought to redeem those liens, nor have the parties who bought the the lien certificates uh, moved to foreclose. If I were them, I wouldn't foreclose either. Yeah. Uh, why? Because the moment they do, they acquire the liability for that property. And that's probably what happened. I mean, there's this big movement of buy tax liens on properties unseen. Okay. Well, uh, you do that at your, at your, your peril. And, and that's probably why the tax liens have not been foreclosed on by the investors. I'm not, I don't want to go into all the detail of that right now, but I will tell you that, again, the, the Yavapai County is prepared to work with us to help us acquire 
those properties. I don't want to suggest it's going to be free because at the end of the day, the statute, state statutes require that the tax liens to be satisfied. And so they're generally small, but in some cases they could be larger. And you'll have to decide which ones you want to buy and which ones you don't. Okay? Jack Hamilton. When the first study was done, the Spur Railroad went to the smelter site, was heavily contaminated, and they removed a lot of that. But the main line also has a lot of that. I know by my house, I got stuff from, I don't know if it's contaminated, but that general area out there is not on the EPA site. But the railroad, probably all the way up to 69, has used all the tailings from that. And I think those need to, that's probably where you're getting it from Ed Sand Trail, because that's where the uh, railroad went, and that's where they had the things there, it went across that. So that's one of the things I think we need to check is the railroad line, because I think they use the tailings from the. I just wanted to make one more statement to the community as um, there's a reason I'm not sitting up front here. I always say I like to sit back with the community so I can hear, you know, the talk around me as this is going on. And I know right now most of the community would rather shoot themselves in the foot than listen to any more super fund issues. Um, but why is this important? Um, why have I been standing here for 15 years? I have a map on my wall in my office that looks exactly like that. I paid $185 to have it printed out myself. 15 years of talking to the community, I have put dots on that map representing every person I've talked to that has had cancer or died from cancer. There are 84 people mapped on that. I have 28 more people to add to that. I guarantee you every person in this room knows somebody who has got cancer or passed away from cancer. Tonight is my son's 16th birthday. I've spent all day in Phoenix at EPA meetings. I'm standing here in front of you tonight as my husband and my kids are out celebrating my son's 16th birthday. That is how important this is to me. If we don't get involved and we don't start demanding what our community wants, what you see is what you get. Can you live with that? Lee Clough, Dewey Humble. Ashley, you can add two more to that. One died on December 28th, and one died last May, both my neighbors. Thank you. Of cancer. Before we move off this one, I think the direction we wanted to give you tonight is that EPA understands they need you for assistance and outreach. They need you for assistance and access agreements. They need you to exercise your land <coughs> use authority. What we intend to do, in light of the concern raised last week, or two, two, one meeting ago, is expand the studies to, 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 to accomplish soil sampling on an urgent basis on the child-sensitive areas. And then we'll come back to you with recommendations. That will help inform us as to your distinction between golfing and where kids play and, and, and decide what sort of standards you were supposed to 
that's 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 not, that's not in the Superfund site. Now, for the Superfund site, we need to develop the general plan. That will address the land uses that they need you for to create the revenue to help to help address public health, to help address remediation. Uh, we intend to do that through the steering committee. They they drafted one draft. They're about to have a second a second draft. The way your statute works, the way the state statute works, and your code works, they propose that to the planning agency, which is and that planning agency then prepares the draft that goes out to all the different agencies. The kinds of agencies are the, the county planning agency, the contiguous cities, Arizona Commerce Authority, and ADWR. That will be a draft that we will take from the General Plan Steering Committee. Uh, we spoke with the chairperson of that committee to say there are some issues that were just wrong as a matter of law. They say that zoning must conform to the general plan. Well, that's not the standard. Zoning must be consistent with the general plan. So we will make those changes. Jim will take a look at it and see. Since we provided the draft to the general to the steering committee, we now have EPA changing the approach to where you're going to be acquiring the property. That gives us greater flexibility to do the kinds of things you wish to do. So what Jim is going to do, he is going to add to the document the kinds of things we can do in partnership with EPA to address community needs. That will produce a document. We will so the steering committee knows the changes we make, we'll give them a black line. If you wish a black line, we'll give you a black line. We then will have a document that will be submitted to all these agencies, submitted to the commission, submitted to the steering committee, and submitted to you, so that you know what we are telling all these agencies. They will provide comments. We will then, staff will then reassemble the general plan, and then it will start the formal process through the commission for approval. That's the first step all the different things we can do to protect to protect the citizens. Meanwhile, we will be undertaking the plans, sorry, the soil sampling on those areas in town, and that will inform us as to how we can help in the future. So this is a work in progress. We need to move quickly. I suspect it's odd they've now identified residential properties as the focus, but at least they've identified they have reduced their standards. I know you're saying, well, what the hell are scientists are doing? But at least they have reduced them. Uh, we, we will measure, we will do our studies and challenge them on their standards, but at the end of the day, they have their standards and they will impose them. Uh, then we have to work around them and you have to decide to what extent you want to apply tougher standards. So that's where we are. We, uh, we, will, we will work with you on an outreach so that your citizens don't get 3,000 faxes facts from or whatever. Whatever they're called. I'm not faxes anymore. I'm, I'm showing my age. 3,000 documents. Uh, we will make sure that you have a we the town have a role in that. We will make sure the sampling occurs, and then we will make sure that we assemble all the appropriate comments to the general plan and get them published. Can we also start working on, and I know we already put stuff in the newsletter, but I don't know if we need to get with the EPA and find out when they want to start, um, but we need to be putting out uh, information on our website, on Facebook, on our newsletters, on our crier boards, everything, because there's people who don't have computers, so they they, they depend on that newsletter um, to tell them what's going on. <laughs> I know all of you are dissatisfied with EPA. Right now, they are the ticket to $100 million. Now they understand they need you for outreach, they need you for land use entitlements. They understand we need to meet more frequently. We will learn from this session tonight, we will talk to them, and what I'm hearing from you, you're willing to assist in the outreach, to make sure your citizens are protected. 
And so we will communicate that to the EPA. I will call their attorney and say, we got to discuss the land use entitlement. They have some issues they'd like to discuss with you. That puts you a little bit, I won't say a lot, a little bit in the driver's seat. Because they, at the end of the day, they call the shots. We need to convince them they better they, 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 they can better call the shots with you informed as a not informed. That, that is only one part of the session. Um, we have two choices. The second part deals with open meeting. Why don't we, why don't we, why don't, and that is only implicated until we get to, uh, oh, we get to E. So why don't we proceed with A, B, C, and D, and then we will, we will the second part of the E session we can do there, which, which applies to E through M. Okay. okay. All right. So that being said, we're gonna move on to General Business 9A, discussing possible action regarding public works needs to include identifying purchasing of land, building or use of structures, and prioritize needs of public works regarding equipment, machinery, etc. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll pretty much just pass this off to Dan and Jade at this point. Um, we kind of discussed it a little bit last uh, couple weeks ago. Okay, Mr. Hill. Uh, yes, uh, Mayor and Council. Um, in your packet, and hopefully you got it. Hold on a second here. I, uh, I just broke down a few things uh, to look for when looking at uh, well, yeah, facilities um, as well as uh, the yard. Facilities and yard, and then I broke it down to budgeted uh, equipment. Um, I, what I wanted to do is at least give you some information about uh, what Public Works does um, and how it controls and uh, maintains our road system uh, within the incorporated town limits. Um, they're responsible not only for maintenance but drainage, repair, signing, removal of debris, uh, cleaning culverts, installation of culverts, snow removal, emergency services, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that you can think of dealing with roadways. Um, we have 11 miles of dirt road, 44 miles of uh, chip sealed road, and seven miles of paved. We have full -time, five full-time employees. We have one position that is vacant at this time for an operator, equipment operator. Um, the, uh, I think you know where the yard is, it's on, uh, Third Street Alley. Um, it's in the town right away. Uh, the parcel is approximately 9,000 square feet. Uh, there's no structure. There's concrete pad. It has two storage containers on it with a small amount left in the middle of the pad uh, that is still open to the, uh, the elements. The storage containers uh, are used to store um, uh, road material uh, items, road like signs and other smaller um, tools. Um, it's also where the employees uh, during the winter time will uh, huddle around a portable heater, which we just happened to get one. Uh, someone took their personal one home, so we needed to get one for <laughs> the town. Um, it, frankly, I'm trying to give you a, a flavor. Um, we wanted to have a meeting there at night. We thought it might show you how fast the place really is. 
but um, uh, <clears throat> the um, the yard uh, there's neither water septic nor electricity restroom facilities are porta potty um, not that well ventilated it's inadequate there's no place to wash your hands and it's during the summer times extremely hot during the winter times extremely cold um, repair of equipment and vehicles it's either performed in the field or uh, in the yard out in the elements in the mud dirt and gravel uh, and the uh, currently the yard has drainage of water that flows through the parcel itself. Um, what I did is I went on back and I took a look uh, through um, uh, the documents that we had at the town dealing with the yard because I wanted to know how that all came about. Um, and in fact, in May of 2009, um, it was formally, um, we formally adopted a capital improvement plan and it was supposed to run from 2009 to 2019, and then you update it as it keeps on going on, which it doesn't appear it was updated. Um, in reviewing the, uh, the capital improvements plan, uh, it had a project worksheet proposing a public works facility and equipment yard. Um, the uh, <coughs> worksheet showed uh, that the uh, project was first requested in 2008 at a deadline of being completed in 2015. Um, yet that hasn't happened. Uh, also, the past uh, capital improvements plan made several recommendations on selection of a, a good location, such as centrally located, not in a flood zone, four to ten acres. Uh, the facility and yard should have enough room for a large garaged enclosure, office slash training room, and the ability to stockpile road materials. Um, well, the, the major thing right now really is that any place that we choose needs to have access to water, septic, and electricity. Um, in 2009, the costs were estimated at $522,000. Um, in reviewing the 23-24 uh, budget, we do have a, a capital improvement fund that shows in there. We budgeted $500,000 for a public works yard. Uh, also indicated that debt finance acquisition could be used, won't count against our town expenditure limitation uh, 100%. It would uh, be based upon the payments. Um, we need a place that we can accommodate our equipment and personnel and uh, any additional equipment that may be uh, necessary that might be worn out. Um, so that is on the uh, public works yard. It is something that I have uh, made here tonight that if you want to ask him any questions concerning about the yard, um, he is... Uh, here to answer it. Um, next, let's go into the budgeted equipment. Uh, in fiscal year 22-23, um, 
Public Works uh, had budgeted $250,000. At the time, it was going to be for 3,000, uh, 30,000 uh, uh, pound tilt deck trailer, a nine wheel rubber tire roller, and a 10 or 12 wheel dump truck. Uh, the amounts were uh, approximately uh, 115,000 for the trailer and nine wheel roller. Dump truck was estimated to be about 75,000, but again, that it depends on what, what kind of dump truck, but there's 60,000 in contingency uh, on that equipment that was uh, budgeted last year, depending on what the price would be. Um, it wasn't bought, none of the equipment was bought last year. Carrying forward that amount to this year, we added additional funds to it. In 23-24, our current budget, um, we have a, a line entitled capital equipment. It's budgeted for 400,000. Um, if you recall, it was for a loader in a zipper. That's if we were going to build our roadways uh, in a cinder spreader. Um, currently, we have a deteriorated uh, it's a terrible condition, a, uh, the town's mower, uh, which is a tractor mower. Uh, it is not, it's been nickel and diming us. Um, recently, we've been trying to have it repaired. John Deere has come out and looked at it. Uh, we've already spent uh, $2,000 on it. We bought it back in 2011. It was a 2008 mower. It cost $27,000 back then. Um, they have, have of yet uh, been unable to completely fix the problem. They have estimated it would cost an additional $4,000 to fix the transmission. The mower has been heavily used, and uh, the engine has not been overhauled. It is weak. The design of the mower is such that the debris, dust, and rocks are thrown up into the face of the operator because it has no cap. Uh, the price of mowers have been looking at uh, Price has substantially increased over the last 10 plus years. Um, and uh, it's going to uh, be approximately $70,000 up to, depending on the type of uh, uh, attachments you want to put on it. Um, I think it's up to uh, 83,000 if you want to put a, a broom on it. So John Deere. Um, it would be bought on a competitive, or I mean cooperative purchase agreement. We belong to other uh, entities in cooperative uh, agreements. It's uh, like state contract. Uh, we also have Mojave Schools. There's a couple of different ones. Um, we're talking to RDO right now. That's the tractor mower. That is of uh, top importance because uh, if, if we don't move quickly on a, this particular uh, uh, John Deere, they have two that are available that would have to have some work done to them uh, to bring them up to what we want on it. Um, one's in Ehrenberg, one's in, uh, uh, not sure, Indio. Indio. Um, 
they, uh, otherwise we'll have to wait six months for them to build one. And uh, the, uh, the next piece of equipment is a uh, 10 or 12 wheel dump truck. Um, it was brought before the council in August. It was denied for that particular truck that was presented. Since August, Jade has been reviewing available units and has found a truck that would meet uh, our requirements. Um, the uh, necessity of getting the truck is as much, it's much larger than what we currently have. One we currently have is small and it, it again, is, is pretty much well used. Um, the third thing that uh, we would like to look at is a uh, 30,000 uh, pound uh, tilt deck trailer. Um, trailers necessary to transport some of the heavier equipment. Um, and, and Jake can describe the type of equipment that we would transport. We're not looking at that piece uh, tonight. Uh, the same thing with the nine wheel rubber tire rollers used for compaction purposes. And again, he can explain why that would be needed. And then, because of our recent snow and lack of uh, cinder spreader or any of those, Jade has some suggestions of uh, what is available out there that can be actually mounted into pickup trucks. And so I would ask Jade to come up front and just explain what, what he has. Well, first, you guys have any questions? I guess we're mixing two different agenda yeah, items. Yeah, A and yeah. B. Yeah. You jumped to B, but we'll uh, let's let's start with A first, and then um, anybody have any questions on property? I do. Okay, Miss Lance. Oh, a few months back, we looked at a property. Some of us looked at a property. The others refused to look at it. Um, it had a perfect area for public works that had a bay that they could work on their vehicle, had an office over, I mean, a, a building that they could store stuff in. The building that the bay is in would make a perfect um, town offices. It's a huge building. Did we ever find anything on that? Uh, actually, what's interesting <coughs> is just as of yesterday, I got a request from the realtor to... Um, add a couple more names to the uh, access agreement and they want to look at it, filling it out. So is it, I mean, it's not 10 acres, but it's well over four to five and yeah, it they really just, would make a lot of things a lot easier for the town. I mean, we would have ample space to have meetings. That's item K. Oh, sorry. They asked about A. I'm, I'm talking about the public workspace. I mean, it would all be in the same place. I, I... It's, it's now, um, that parcel was at five acres and they get a lot line adjustment. It's now uh, four plus. Uh, so uh, they lost the, the back end where it had some open space towards the back. Um, uh, but again, uh, I just, received a, an email on Monday. So I'm gonna update the access agreement 
and add the additional owners on it and then get it back to the realtor. And then we have a chance to go look at this property. I myself have never seen inside that fence to see what, if it is adequate for what we need. So. After the access agreement. Okay. So what other properties have you uh, earmarked that would be potentially a good designated location for them? Uh, we have uh, another piece of property that would be a uh, much bigger piece um, uh, for a civic center with public works way in the back. Um, it, uh, there's two pieces there. One is of uh, approximately 16 acres. The other is of eight acres. Um, they're both adjoin each other um, with the same principles that own it. Um, there was a three acre piece that was uh, up off of uh, one of the off of Third Street. Uh, we looked at that one. Was it Third Street? Omega. Omega. Omega off of Third Street. Yeah, off of Third Street. It it was uh, three. You say three acres? Yeah, that one was three acres up there. However, but did you say price, four to ten acres is what we would need? Yeah, four to ten. Um, and again, uh, those were ones that we we discounted took out. Um, there is another piece that's right next to it. Again, those people have not indicated if they're interested in so. Um, so right now we're working on narrowed down to two. And each of them has uh, different uh, aspects to the pieces of property. Did you narrow it down to? Uh, the one that is consists of uh, two adjoining pieces that uh, in total okay. equals 25 acres. Yeah. Um, and the other one is uh, uh, four plus acres now uh, with a building okay. on it. So um, without getting into too much discussion over that, instead of waiting for people to respond, which has taken, I don't know, four months, um, why aren't we actively looking at other properties that the one you say the person has indicated that they want to sell it have have we asked them if they're interested in selling it or uh, anything like that or is it just how we the two, the two uh the omega yeah you the omega you were just talking oh, about uh, yeah that one that one has since uh doubled in price from what we initially could buy it for bought it uh all the way back in I don't know, uh, August maybe, September. Yeah, um, it, it, the difference is that when, once they get listed, then the price goes up. And uh, that one also had uh, another three acres down below. But uh, when we looked at that piece, um, it was a lot more expensive because it's also zoned uh, commercial. What about the neighboring property? Day? They have not. Uh, oh, is there a possibility uh, of asking if they would be interested uh, in selling? Because doesn't that already have a interest. pretty much setup? They have not shown an interest. If you're talking about the one that adjoins, mm -hmm. easier. They have not shown an interest in selling. I would, um, I could get back in touch with them and see what they they would do and just push them a bit. Okay. And maybe revisit the, uh, the the part 
uh, parcel next to it to see if uh, they would negotiate on price. And because if these other two properties aren't going to happen, we still have to find something for them. And there's not much available property around here that's semi-flat and, and uh, could work for for what they need. So if, if, if those two aren't moving, then let's actively start looking at other parcels and, and see what we can do. I will um, tell you, one of, one, one of the others is moving. It's with, right now, with uh, the attorneys are going back and forth. So I can give you more information once we know. Um, uh, there's one question that we have asked, and I, we need to get that answered first so I can bring it back to you. Yeah, it's, it's molasses. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> well, it's a, it's a big decision because once you make a decision, then you're kind of stuck with that property. So you want to make sure you get the right one. Mr. Not. Bobby, Blue Hills. Good evening, Council. Everybody else. I just wanted to bring up uh, something to your attention. I was reading through his item of 9A, regular meeting priorities of the new facility, and you got down to the place where restroom facilities consist of a standard non-insulated porta potty that is inadequately vented and does not have any means of washing hands. As, um, that's B. I have 9A right here at the top. It's in your. It's in the agenda right here under nine A. Yeah, thirteen is nine A. Nine A. It was supposed to be B on Okay. Well, anywho, gentlemen, as per your Ocean Ten and Thirty Hour. Because as a public facility, you have to have an emergency eyewash station and you have to have a wa wa working sink. It is a hand pump unit. That is what you need for your employees as of now. And if you're not, you're not in compliance. So I understand the port john working out in the field 32 years for the state. I visit them frequently, but keep you guys in check. You need to get an emergency eyewash station and you need to get a hand pump sink out there ASAP. Because if someone was wanted to be a and let OSHA know and they come visit, you guys are going to get in trouble again. Just to give you a heads up. Thank you. They'll probably visit now. Lee Clough, Dewey Humboldt. I'm sure that's not the first time this has been brought up and it hasn't, nothing been done about them getting a sink. Anyways, you can do it tomorrow. Have it done before OSHA gets here. Um, also, um, Mrs. Lance, or Council Member Lance talked about a property with <coughs> stuff already on it, buildings, and now we're saying it's four plus acres, but I thought that one also had a five acre parcel that could go with it too. It seems like nobody wants to bring up. And then I heard the town manager say this is a lot of money and it's very important that we take our time. 
15 years like the Superfund site? I think it's plenty of time. At this point, I don't even care what they buy. Just buy something. So we're doing something instead of nothing. Because August, we might have been able to have that one property. And now it's doubled. Because all we do is sit and do nothing. I will gladly go look for properties. And I'll glad you get you prices. So that we're moving if you want to look at more properties. We can't just sit around and do nothing. Um, I just think it's really important. And I think as equally important as that is a community center. So don't leave that out or you will have the residents coming crazy. Um, Ashley Preston doing humble. I guess my question is, is for Bill since Jim left. If the town is acquiring or trying to acquire each site, do we have the option to try to make a maintenance yard out of each one of these sites? I mean, I know that we're trying to do this obviously sooner than later, but if we already have acquired property that's cleaned up and we've got 500,000 to build on that, it seems like it would go a lot farther than acquiring new property. But I don't, I don't know if that's an option. Jack Hamilton, I agree we have to move forward. And it's going to probably come down to price. Everything costs money, and whether we can afford it or not. And I'm going to offer something a little different. It doesn't meet your criteria, but it solves two problems. And that's at the corner of Pony and Kachina Place where the land goes up to the high school. There's two properties in there. They were about $30,000 a piece. They were about one and a third acres, something which is not fine. But when we had the Goodwin fire, we didn't have a problem of evacuating the upper Blue Hills. We had a problem getting on Highway 69 because all the lower Blue Hills and upper Blue Hills were trying to get out. And there was an hour wait or so there. Firewise recommended buying these two pieces of property and exiting out through the high school. And the high school agreed to that. And this person on Firewise bought the property to do that. Well, he presented it to the town and the town refused to buy the property. So he sold it elsewhere. He took a $40,000 loss on it. He bought it for 50 and sold it for 30 each. That's before he's trying to help out the town. Now, there should be plenty of water if you drill a well. There's not a problem that way. Sewer should perk because there's other in there. But you would have to do that. You'd probably have to put in a road up the hill. It's a short road, but it, you do. So. It's only one and a third acres. That's not necessarily a lot. But I'm saying it may be enough to satisfy, it may not. It all depends on cost and what you can get for the money. Centrally located, it would help the people up the Blue Hills because the equipment would be there, and that's where a lot of that equipment has to work <coughs> is up in the Blue Hills, whether in Humboldt. So equipment-wise, it may be okay. I'm not suggesting that'll work and I'm, because I don't know the price you're looking at. I'm just saying if you run into this, you might consider that. Tom Blue Hills. 
I brought this up once before briefly about Main Street. We talked about community center and doubling the size of the building. Would a 40 by 60 suffice for you guys? <laughs> a lot better than we got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already own the property. It's already been tested. So why can't we get on the horse? I mean, we have the money. You've got, what, 400000 budgeted? We talked about this before, Jeremiah, and I don't see any reason you can't put that building up for 400000 what do you think? Me too. Yeah, exactly. But and also community center. I know they do it all over the state. You can rent it out for birthday parties or whatever, and you get some of your money back that way. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council, for allowing me to to address you. Um, Karen Brooks Humboldt, I think we need to act more aggressively on the 16 acres plus 8 acres uh, parcel. It has got its own well at this time. It's got a storage tank at this time. It's also very close to the town water uh, facilities and... Um, just down the street is natural gas. That would allow us to have a community center. That would allow us to have town hall. That would allow us to have public works. That would allow us to have some recreational facilities that we can rent out and utilize and everything. And it would be a town center to attract our citizens and, and visiting people to uh, we could be competitive with uh, Little League softball, soccer, and all sorts of uh, sporting events. So at uh, that price, that person might not be overly eager now, but they quoted us a price at one time. And I think uh, we need to be more aggressive in trying to acquire that. It's flat that needs very little work, groundwork. Um, it also would perk very well. It's a sandy soil. And um, I think we need to, you know, get off the stick. I wish we had bought it two or three years ago and been done with it. But I got thwarted then, too. <laughs> so if uh, we could be more aggressive and, and go for it, um, I, I think that's the one to get. Yes, we'd be starting from ground zero, but at least we could start and know that we would have a place for the perpetuity of the town. Thank you very much. Oh, and there's blasting tonight, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fenton. Uh, Thank you. I, I really agree with Karen on that. So I would like to ask Dan, is there, can we get any more aggressive on that particular piece than what we're at now? Um, actually, uh, yes, we are. Uh, we have. We have been is what I'm getting yes, at. Yes, yes. We're just waiting on a response. And uh, again, um, I'll have more information on that. I'm hoping this week on both of them. Um, 
so at least we can then decide, you know, on either either of those or on neither of them or on regroup. But I think the point I want to just point out is this is nothing that's a brand new issue. It's been going on, and um, and actually, any, I invite anyone to go over and take a look at that place they have over there, and it's and just like Mr. Knott said. Um, <coughs> So, I guess I'm kind of confused of when he said, can we get more aggressive, what exactly does that mean? Because we're waiting for a piece of paper to be signed allowing us on the property. How much more aggressive can you get with a property owner to say, sign this piece of paper? If they don't want to sign it, they don't want to sign it. Then we just need to wash our hands of it and move on. Not sit here four or five months waiting for somebody to sign a piece of paper. To me, it's almost obvious that they don't want to sign it. They want nothing to do with it. So let's move on. Yes. Again, that that uh, access agreement is so that we can go on on either property or any property in order to test it. And that's that's we need an access. That's, that's step one. The problem is a seller seldom wants to do that. They say, if you want access, give me a purchase and sale agreement, give me a price, I'll let you have access. If it's not clean, you can walk. You need, and they, so that's why we're not getting the access agreement signed. Sellers don't do that often. In fact, I talked to the attorneys for one, they said, we'll get, if you're, happy, if you're willing to do a purchase agreement, we'll let you on. I think, I've heard a number of, I've listened to a number of opportunities. You need to figure out which parcel is first on your list, and you need to tell us to authorize the purchase price, Put in a purchase agreement. Okay. That's what we should do. Make I would like to make a motion okay. to do exactly what Bill just said. And uh, well, you need to tell us which property. We have two. We have two. The one property that Dan was talking about has two. I would like to prioritize the 15.95 and 8.64 acre parcels over the other one. Yeah. Well, I, uh, well, I've already taken the lead. I, I wrote them back and I said, we're not, we don't have an appetite at this price. If you could split the two parcels, because I understand you've done that in the past, and give us a price for each parcel, and they've done that before, that may bring you a parcel that you find attractive. But then what they're saying is they want a purchase agreement. You have to tell us that you're willing to commit to buy that property if the environmental conditions are fine. Let I would like to, to make a motion to proceed and actually make a purchase agreement on that parcel if they come back for let me report back. I, have a, I sent them, they sent me a letter. I sent them an email today and I said, please divide them up. If they divide them up, I'll report that at the next meeting and then we can, then you can authorize us to do a purchase agreement. So is this the property that they jacked up the price or is it the same price that we were talking about for the two properties? The price is too high. Yeah. It's, it's, it's at the same amount. The idea is is in the past broken both out separately. When I looked at it, I said, "Please give us an offer. Split them out and tell us what the purchase price will be. We'll report it to you, and you can decide." But I don't think we were ever told, were we? Well, because we have nothing to tell because we don't have any price prices. Well, the price. Well, you could have. Price was too yeah, high. Okay, the price at one point was brought to council before some of the council members were on here. Oh. Yeah, it's, so no, it's, it's, it's been out there. That's what Karen was talking right. about. It's um, been out there for years. 
Yeah, it's it's higher than what that price was. Like more, doubled? No, oh no, 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 no. It's significantly no, no, no. higher. Normal. Write it on a piece of paper and then just stick it up. We will report back in the next meeting if you'll divide and price and you can decide who the first is before. Ms. Brandt. Okay, so yeah, you kind of almost answered my question. What kind of money are we talking about here? I want my money spent wisely. I want this town's money spent wisely. You got a piece of property that they could move into essentially tomorrow. I want to know how much money this land is going to cost and how much it's going to cost to start building from scratch. It makes no sense to me to do it that way. Christy Bagwell, Humboldt. Mike, I, I believe I know the property that already has buildings on it and that would be a relatively good setup for public works. My concern with that particular property and one of the reasons that we do need access for soil testing is the contamination that is likely on that property. Public Works is already in a questionable situation as it is, and I don't think they should be exposed to another questionable situation. Thank you. Do we have the environmental testing report that was done by EPA for Azurite property? Can somebody tell me off the top of their head what the numbers were found on that property? They were uh, at the old levels um, for lead. Okay, four hundred for lead. Yeah, and uh, arsenic. Uh, I don't don't they recall it. Into, they actually took the parcel and they put it in A and B. Can't hear you. Okay, well I'll say this for the Azurite property: if you were to obtain that property, we know that EPA is coming back in. They're, they're retesting levels. Um, I'm assuming it's zoned residential right now. I'm assuming if the, the town was to purchase it, would it still stay residential? Would we, what is the zoning then? You're not subject to zoning. You can do <clears throat> okay. So what I'm saying is EPA is going to come back in and clean up to new standards on that property. There are ways to deal with the contamination. If you are looking at something like that to get into immediately, um, my personal thought is you could be a good example to the town on how we need to treat some of these properties. Um, you're going to seal it with concrete. You're going to apply material. These are things you can do, of course, after EPA comes in and cleans up to the new standards. Might be a good example to say, hey, guys, we need to get on board with what EPA is doing. We need to have them come in and clean up to the new, the new levels. So don't totally rule that out. Clifford Brandt, Humboldt. <clears throat> I've been to the Azurite property um, 
the whole back area where you might be putting your public works is already concrete slab. It's got a block wall all the way around it. It's got a huge building that's very tall. You can get a motorhome in there with a, a pit to get under your vehicles to work on it. I think it's the perfect place for the public works. I don't think there's any issues with uh, contamination where the public works would be because it's all concrete already. Thank you. You already spoke, Ms. Clough. I'm sorry. All right. Anybody else? Okay, seeing none. We will move on to item B. No, they did not. You're wrong. Oh. All right, 9B. Okay. Are you on 9A or 9B? B. B. Okay. Yeah. Let me read it first. Okay. Discuss some possible action regarding the purchase of several pieces of equipment by Public Works to include a new John Deere 4 Series tractor mower, a used freight liner M uh, line dump truck, a tailgate spreader for snow and ice. Uh, Mr. Field. Uh, yes, that's uh, uh, these items. Uh, we actually have some uh, numbers for you. Um, and uh, if Jake can uh, tell you what, what he has found, um, that would be good. Thank you, Mr. Betty. Let's go with oh. the first one. Uh, let's go with the uh, tractor. All right, well, I've been talking to John Deere's statewide representative, government salesperson, and I've got a couple different quotes for a four series tractor, and they're only about a thousand dollars difference for 15 watt horsepower. The first is the 4052 that has 40 PTO horsepower, and the final out the door on that setup. And I had him quote with a broom attachment, which added quite a bit of expenditure to it. That's something that we could take off and pursue later in the future if we decide too much money. But the price for that one out the door is $82,098. Not with the brush? Yes. With the brush? With the broom? Yeah. Yes. And then the other one is a 6044 that has 52 horsepower, PTO rated horsepower. Which the thing with that is if we were to ever decide we want to use different implements on the back, in the future, it has enough horsepower to run any of the other implements later on if we needed to buy a different implement for it. And with the broom attachment to that as well, the price was 83930 So you're only talking $1,900 difference for 15 more horsepower. That's the closed cab machines. The more we have right now, the open cab is just miserable. Mr. Nolan. Yeah. Can't this per equipment be purchased, uh, lease purchased? And does that have to have our approval, or does that can just go with your approval? Yeah, I think it still has to have the approval, but yeah, the amounts are higher than these authorities. Well, again, yeah, $5,000, but you know, you're buying something lease purchase and you're going to depreciate it over the years. You're committing the town to substantial sum. I don't, I think it might. <coughs> I think it's over his authority, but it I is. Okay, I'll make a motion. We go ahead and buy this more, the one with the more horsepower. I have a second. <coughs> and that. equipment. Second. Okay. Mr. Nolan. Yeah. Mr. Nolan. Yeah. Mr. Nolan. Ye
Okay. And then we can pay cash for it, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily. If you can leave it to uh, uh, Lars yeah. and myself, right. our right. discretion to yeah. take the best. The best, the best way to purchase <coughs> it. Okay. And that was the higher horsepower mm -hmm. one. The second one. Yeah. Yes. All right. Is that a cab? Got a cab on it? Yes, sir. With air con air conditioning for, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Motion been made by Mr. Nolan, seconded by Mr. Finn. Any discussion on the motion? Yeah. Okay, Mr. Nod. Actually, I also have something about the dump truck. We're going to go through them one by one. So, okay, that's why I want to make sure. Okay. Bobby Blue. This is on the tractor. Yes, the, the, this is the skip loader, correct, basically? And you can yes. put the attack. Okay. Um, you guys want to order a new broom. You have an existing broom. Now, John Deere hasn't changed any of their structural measurements. Can we not use the old one on there? Was it out of hours, too? It has a different hookup because, okay. Oh, I understand that, the bristles bearing, stuff like that. And with the existing broom, the controller, the electronic controls let you tilt the broom. Oh, yeah. Uh, different than you guys understand. Yeah, and they're held on to the lift arm with zip ties, and then the controller is on a magnet on the rocks. Understand. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then uh, something else, um, I don't know if you guys ever known this. You have that flail mower on the back of that little thing. I don't know if Owen's ever told you. You can reverse the hoses where it kicks away from you, and then you can add a couple links of chain to it. I don't know if you knew that. That's an old trick that we used to do because it used to kick towards the cab and hit you in the back of the head with rocks and dirt. Yeah, it, you can it, reverse the hoses. It does and, spin to where it kicks back, and there's we have a rubber mat in the back. Then you already know. I was just trying to help out. Thank you. And none, we will uh, roll call vote, Ms. Evans. Councilmember Finn. Yes. Councilmember Rogers. Yes. Councilmember Nolan. Yes. Councilmember Lance. Yes. Vice Mayor Barron. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Ms. Evans. All right, moving on to item B2. A used Freightliner general dump truck, Mr. Fitton. Yeah, and like I said, we've started the dump truck search since I came into this position. I know Bruce was looking at it before. And I found one last week. It's in Levine. Tom Dawson put in sales. It's a 2008 Freightliner. It only has 102,000 miles on it, which is practically perfect. Mr. Mayor, I'll make a motion. We go ahead and purchase this dump truck. I'd like to make a different motion. Um, I'd like to make a different motion. There was no second. Hold on. Oh, okay. There was no. There was no second on your motion, Mr. Nolan. But there is a, a motion being made. Okay. Um, instead of purchasing this right out, I would think it would be wise to see it in person first. So, if what I wanted to come to you guys about is getting authorization to pursue it, you know, go down. Because the last dump truck, we made three trips to Phoenix, and then it was denied, which is fine. It wasn't the right truck. I think this is a much better truck than that first one that we were looking at. And I would like just to have permission to 
I guess let's take the, my driver and mechanic down there and look at it, and then we can talk to the guy down there and say, yeah, we really want to buy this. <laughs> I'll second it, um, but I do have a question. Did we even contact them to hold it while we're making that decision? Because as of last week, when this got canceled, because of Granicus, um, I thought we were going to contact them and, and put a hold on it so it doesn't get sold. Did we do that? I spoke to him this morning. Okay. The truck is still there and available, and I asked him about putting a deposit to hold it. And he said, yeah, and right now I've had two other guys look at it, but they haven't called back. And since you have spoke, called him back like three times, he said, you're number one on the list and I will hold it. And he said he could, we could put like 2500 or 3000 down and he would hold it forever. But if we're down there, you know, if I have permission to continue this, we can go down on Thursday this week so and look at it and test drive. Question for Matt then. Does your motion include if he goes down and looks at it, takes the mechanic or whatever we got to do, can they make an offer? I would Can like we... to amend it to where they have authorization for a deposit or negotiation. I'll second that. All right. Motion been made by Mr. Finn, seconded by Ms. Lance. Any discussion on the motion? Thanks. Thank you. Bobby Blue Bills, again. Uh, question about the truck. Is this a 10-wheel or a 12-wheel dump? 10-wheel. 10-wheel? You realize you're limited on your load space because of federal bridge law. Any culvert you cross over anywhere, uh, weight distribution. Uh, if you had one push axle, you could legally haul 10 cubic yards. Without it, you can only haul legally eight cubic yards. That's two yards. If we have one truck and we have five people, something to think about in the future. And one other thing, your pickup plows are designed to push snow. You might want to think about getting a plow attachment to your dump truck because there are three adjustments on there for when you have to break ice. Something to think about in the future, too, because you're going to buy a spreader. I don't know if it's for a pickup or a dump truck or what, but something else to think about is you guys might want to think about getting a plow apparatus for the front of that. Plowed lots of miles of snow in my life. Other than that, I'll leave you alone. Thank you. I beat on you enough tonight. Bobby, that's got plenty of room to add a, a drop axle to it later. Oh, aftermarket's even better. Tom Blue Hills. I have a freight problem with Freightliner in general. Because most of them only have a single chassis. Does this one have a double frame in it? That I do not know. It's not stated on there. Because dump trucks don't last long with a single frame in them. I know because I've had a couple of them break in half. And they were all Freightliners. Just... Info and Jeremiah is right. You can always add a, ta a fourth axle to it anytime you want. Thanks. I got a frame that you can boot it to boost it. Put it on. Okay. All right. So anybody else? <coughs> All right. Seeing that, Miss Evans, roll call vote. Yes. 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 Strap into the bed of pickup trucks, which right now that's what we have. And the cost on them is varied from 
7200 to not quite $10,000. That's eligible for the lease purchase, huh? And there's an outfit in Phoenix that upfits trucks, and they're a distributor for Snow Dog, or Salt Dog, it's called, the truck bed tailgate spreaders. So can we authorize Mr. Petty to look into it more and bring back what he thinks would be the best deal? Or do we need to make a motion on it? I, we can direct him. Yeah. Is everybody okay with that? I was just going okay? to make a motion to let him buy. Yeah, I'd like that way we have one All right. for the next snow, which is right on. So, so that's my motion. I'll second it. I will get a hold of Drake down in Phoenix and say, hey, what can we do? And let's get him ordered. Get him customized to fit the trucks that you have. What was the high amount? Yes. Two spreaders. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. You've got to have them for both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the That's high amount that you're thinking? Well, the highest one I'd seen was $10,000. The one I was looking at was eighty three. So for two of them, it would be no more than $20,000. Yeah, so up to $20,000. Okay. But that's not install, right? No. That's just part of the Yeah, but and then you're almost, other things that are almost dropped. We'll have to get Cinder's truck down here from Flagstaff. You know, hey, we buy a tin we can go get them ourselves. Lee Clough, Dewey Humboldt. I encourage you guys to do this and make sure you get one for each side. Nothing against Jade, but I don't ever want to see him out there with the shovel throwing rocks trying to help a car get up, my neighbor get up the hill because the car's coming down could kill you. And 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 is not worth any town um, person's life. So I encourage you guys to do that. And I do appreciate what you did, but it really scares me when I see that. So I hope you don't do that again. But please, this is very important. And I appreciate the mayor saying do it now and not put it off because this is January. So we need to make sure these guys are safe. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mr. Brandt Humboldt, I have a question for you, boss. Is this cinder as slippery as sand on a motorcycle? <clears throat> that I don't know. I'm not a motorcycle rider. Yeah, I am, and I ride these roads probably four times a week, and you spread sand for the last snow, and you didn't clean it up. So my question is, you're going to spread this stuff. How are you going to clean it up when we don't need it anymore? Because it's dangerous on a motorcycle. That's why they got the new broom. New broom. For the new I was going to say, does this broom come into play? <laughs> That's exactly what it's for. Thank and you. I had my guys brewing that. I was, I was going there. <laughs> All right. Any other on the motion? Seeing none, Ms. Evans, roll call vote, please. Councilmember Finn. Yes. Councilmember Rogers. Yes. Councilmember Nolan. Yeah. Yes. Council yes. Council yes. Yes. Thank you, Ms. Evans. Mayor, you yes. don't need me for C or D. You need me for the open meeting. And yep. You ready to roll? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Not till 10. Item 9 9E. You be quiet. Right. We're, 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 I gotta get up there. I, I, know I didn't bring a bag. I've stated before in my cost. <laughs> 9E. Here's the issue. There's a second issue on the open meeting law. We want to discuss with you, and we're going to do this in the open. Whenever there's an open meeting law violation, you have two, there's two ways they can have one. One, there was an action that was not properly agendized, and the law is real clear. You have to ratify the action in a public meeting. If there's a discussion among councils, or, or if there's an agenda item that was discussed with no action, you still have to remediate it. 
And that's what we're going to do tonight. It used to be when I would, the AG would take the first step. They now are the second step, and they leave to the ombudsman the opportunity to work with you. And I'd like to read to you a paragraph from the letter they sent. At the end of this document today, we have, we have three vi alleged violations, two dealing with communicating by email to a forum a substantive matter, and the other dealing with having discussions in an open meeting for which there was not a proper agenda. I'll read one paragraph from the ombudsman's letter. I reviewed the recording of the meeting. The, the, the allegations appear accurate. For this agenda item, the council talked about a variety of issues that were not listed. This likely violated the open meeting law. To discuss or consider issues, the open meeting law requires there to be a specific agenda item. Essentially, everything talked about or discussed at that meeting must be laid out in detail on the agenda that can be properly discussed. You may recall that during the course of that discussion, I kept saying we are going too far. I didn't realize a complaint had been a letter had been written to all of you and to the manager. I didn't know about that letter. I was caught completely by surprise by the discussion. I'm not elected. I'm just a lawyer. You get to make the call. And you recall, and I don't impose my, I try not to impose my will. And so what I did during the course of those discussions, when it looked to me like you were going too far, I said you were going too far. And in fact, when the manager asked me a question, I said, as the open meeting law would require, I cannot answer because it's not properly agendized. The ombudsman person read this, and he, he, he viewed the meeting, and he said, I, you tried. This actually is a, is a positive letter. What he's saying is, let's, let's see if we can work this out. And the way you would work it out is you would have an agenda like we've done today, E through M, and we'd ask, are there any members of the public who now are aware this was discussed who would like to discuss more? Then I can report back, and we were supposed to do this by the 12th. I told him we didn't have a meeting until the 16th. He said, that's fine. I'd like to be able to write a letter to him to say, we understand there were unintended violations. Two as to emails that went to a forum on a substantive matter, and they're in your document. And one dealing with items that went too far. I'm telling him they were unintended. I'm telling him that for the, the discussions that there were at the last meeting, some were permitted because I kept pushing back, but some were not. And so the way you would cure that tonight is to ask the public if anybody has any discussions they'd like to add E through M, we'd be happy to discuss now so I can report this was properly agendized and we, we remediated that way. Here's the reason I'm saying this. We now have three allegations in the back. If you have more, they will, they, the AG will hire an attorney that will bill you twice the hourly rate that I bill you to sit there and watch every meeting. And I've had clients have to do that. If we, what they're asking for here is re review the above, acknowledge to our officer a violation. I believe there was. I told them it was unintended. Outline the, re the, the remedial measures. It would be allowing the public to discuss the items E through M tonight if they wish. And then I think we should schedule another open meeting law session. Because I can tell you, if we continue to have violations, the AG will appoint an attorney and you'll be paying him or her hourly rates to come all the way up here, I, I, I build half time. They would build full time, and, uh, and and their rates would probably double mine. And so my, my recommendation is 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 mayor is to ask and, and Jeremiah. What I'm saying is 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 had had, had we had I known had I known about the letter, I would have gotten to you much like I've gotten with Councilmember Nolan when there's a conflict. I said Councilmember Nolan, this is something you have to refuse yourself for. And so that I would have said to you, let's have this. 
And what you can easily do is what I've said throughout, because I didn't know about the letter, is to say, this item, I would like direction on this. I would like, I would like you to come back and give direction to staff. That would have been permitted. But the minute we started to have dialogue on the item, that went too far. And, and the way to fix it is, if any member of the public would like to speak tonight, they can. I can say we offer that way. This has been agendized, and he said, agendized it. I can write the letter tomorrow to say we understand it was unintended. We don't believe all the discussions were violent the mobile game, while some might have been. So uh, to, to avoid that, we've allowed the public to speak on everyone. So that's what I'd like to do. All right. So that being said, does anybody have anything that they want to discuss E through M? Okay. Um, I'm going to start with E. E? Yep, E. Yes or no? Uh, e. I'm going down the list. E. We'll let that one go. Okay. <laughs> F. All right, come on up, Mr. Moth. Right, Jack, Jack. Jack Hamilton. My problem here is, is discussion and possible action. What action are you at going to take? May I interrupt? They're not yes. taking any action. All they're doing is giving you the opportunity to talk. They're going to take no action other than let you speak. No action tonight. Just oh. talk. Okay. I, I read it different because this is so for you. Do you know to... I wrote that? Because I didn't want you to write them a letter to say they gave us direction and he didn't know. <laughs> But I thought the possible action is for them oh, to so take give direction. Give direction to let you oh, okay. Then I'm okay with this guy. All right, Mr. Mullet. I only have one thing to say about Blue Hills Access Road. We budgeted $300,000 for this two years ago. What happened? We can bring this back up on a, what, an what item, you say, right? What you say is we, we, we will ask staff to come back with that. that otherwise, they'll get upset with me. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going we're, we're, okay, we're, we're to ask staff to come back and have a report. Okay, okay. thank you. That, that, that's probably yeah. for all of these. Yep. Okay, thank you. All right. Ms. Clough. Sorry, Bill. No. Blue Hills. Lee Clough, Blue Hills. Exit road. I would ask the attorney, I don't know how I'm supposed to say it right, to have or one of you bring it back so we can discuss the smoke eye, just the smoke eye exit. I hope I said it. Yep. All right. Now we're going on to G. Oh, wait. Oh. Here. Ah. On uh, F. On F, Jason Chisholm, Dewey Humble. On F, I would like it when you bring it back for discussion. I would also like a report from the fire marshal on uh, the stat on the Goodwin fire and getting this, the the uh, residents in and out of there. I'd like a report from the fire marshal included in that. That's fire all. Chief. I, not the fire chief, fire marshal. Gotcha. Thank you, Dan. G. Hey, Miss Brooks, come on up. Is that well, let me maybe I can dispute them. Right now, we are getting close. I've exchanged correspondence. We we gave them a template. One of the property owners came back with changes. I, I responded and we were narrowing the differences. I've now communicated that template to the other property owners so we can get this solved. That will give us a template we can use. Matt is, the, we, we, soon, we should soon, soon have legals. You're open meeting, your, your public records request, the reason we haven't given them to you, we don't have them yet. They're not called, oh, oh, we had to redraft some of them. We don't have them yet. Okay. So, so, January 2nd meeting, you said you received the 
Okay, that's fine. So come on up. So are you on F or G? F. I'm on F. Okay. Karen Brooks, do we have Thank you for allowing me to check. Um, all I would like to request is that Mr. Sims pick up uh, where Kay Bigelow left off on the possible easements and right-of-ways of, like, um, Prescott Dells Ranch Road, Rocky Hill Road, those that she found that were allowed back when those plats were first divided. And I don't want to lose those. Thank you. Thank you. All right. G. K. H. All right. I. Can I, yes. Can I, H. Can I say something on this? Or is this just oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, this, this is agenda. Now we can talk about it. Okay. So just Which quickly G cover H, um, H okay. the Butte Street. All right. So this is one of the reasons why I asked how much it costs to do testing. Listening to Jim sit there and say, do we want to do additional testing there? We spent 14000 I understand that was the property next to it. But still, if we do additional testing, it's going to be a, a boatload more money. When we could just simply, the, the park is a bowl as it sits right now with the water crossing going between it. Culvert it, bring in material, slate over the top, elevate it up, make it a lot more flatter and nicer. It, it takes care of the, the compromised, uh, contaminated areas. It's covered and it gives a lot more uh, uh, square footage, flat, usable space to, to do stuff from, from kids. So. That is a perfect direction to staff back with a recommendation on that very point. That's exactly how the opening options work. Okay, Dan, we're not in our head for direction. All of us. All of us. <clears throat> Calf Deep Street Park. Yes, come on. Annie Drake, Dewey Humble. I second Jeremiah's plan. We need to put concrete there and get somewhere for the kids to get right away. If you put concrete there, you don't have to wait for the EPA, right? Is that correct? No. So the kids need somewhere to go. The teenagers need somewhere to go. That's where they have to hang out. They keep getting kicked out of the parking lots up here. So I think it's a wonderful plan. Mark Courtney, Dewey Humble. Um, Bradshaw Mountain Environmental in Prescott Valley can also test soil samples. I don't know if you're aware of that. And the prices that I've heard here are significantly higher than what they charge. So I might want to contact them, get some pricing. Turnaround times use about 10 days. I would like to have um, an update on that. Have we contacted the Army Corps of Engineers? Um, have we um, made aware of all water, low water crossings that we're dealing with? That type of stuff. So if that could come back on an agenda with, with some information, because we need to um, identify all of them. I mean, we have the big one down here, but there's other ones, and I don't know if they are public roads, town roads, or private roads, but there's a lot of low water crossing issues. So, this is exactly what the old meeting wants. What if that just happened? This is what's supposed to happen. Uh, didn't Jade have a presentation 
about the he has a, a, a list and that that he wanted <clears throat> to bring in or at least meet with each of you that was interested to show you um, the areas and try to prioritize can we get that on an agenda yes um, and have we how have we contacted the Army Corps of Engineers? Uh, no. In fact, I'll tell you, <coughs> it's questionable if they have any responsibility on the uh, the washes, from what I understand. But we have contacted the flood control district. Okay, the washes are one thing, but what about the? Because I I thought Agua Fria was a federal waterway. Oh, oh, oh. So uh, Agua Fria. Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of of the the drainage issues we were having. Well, yeah, but as well as the river, because that's fallen apart Bruce was working in record time. Could, could, I don't know what you got on the 6th, but could you put that on the 6th of February so we could address it? Because I know there's some pretty critical issues that need to be tackled sooner rather than later. Yeah. That's the drainage issues. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then do we have um, Simpo is uh, when Vinny's coming to do a presentation? Um, he, we don't have that scheduled. No, oh, okay. But, but uh, he does know he needs to give us one. Awesome. All right. Any other discussion on I? Okay. How about J? discussed that one before but let's uh yeah mr barrett um so i know we've, we've kind of skipped over it a couple times and we really haven't nailed down any solid details about it i know the other properties kind of came into play um but i i still think it uh something, something needs to happen something needs to be done uh, it's not to me. It's not a waste of money if we if we build something because even if we bought a big piece of property and put all this stuff on there, it, it, we're talking years before everything's actually developed. Whereas, utilizing the building, you know, public works could utilize it, you know, soon. We could have a community center soon. Um, we we own the property down there. Uh, it just as a, a fact of narrowing down the details um, of exactly what that looks like. Um, and, and moving forward with it. So, um, I mean, I had an idea of a still building, do a full-on kitchen, you know, with, with St. Mary's in line, you know, that's a perfect spot for it. Uh, not use, using the school, we could use that for, for big thing, um, gatherings and, and everything else. So, you know, I think we need to take that a little bit more serious and and uh, come, come back with, with some ideas of what that would look like. Uh, and, and I think it's simple and fairly inexpensive to me to, to put something like that together. So it's not, not well involved. Um, and then, Dan, you want to tackle that second part when you get done? <coughs> uh, well, um, on that uh, second issue, and that's something we'll have to bring back, but there is the lots there, and uh, we looked at bringing water across Main Street before we work on it this next year. 
uh, or this April. this year, right? Yes. Yeah, this year. Um, uh, Stewart said that uh, he can bring a, uh, a two-inch across uh, line. It can be shared between our piece and the piece next to us, which is being developed right now. Um, that uh, it would be somewhere around three thousand uh, dollars for the meter and everything. Um, and that uh, if if we were to trench it, um, he would he would want us to trench it uh, and backfill it. So. That was an issue that was brought up. Um, uh, again, uh, you, you run into different questions on, on Main Street. Uh, uh, but uh, Bill says that we we need to bring that back on an agenda item. Okay. Um, I, this is what I'd like to see. I would like to see it brought back. I would like to see a plan to run the water to the property because as it's been stated before by Mr. Petty that we are going to be redoing Main Street and it doesn't make sense to do the road and then rip it up to bring water to our property. Um, I'd like to see a um, an estimate on what size building was that that you... 40 down. by 60. Okay, a 40 by 60, but also a larger one in case we would like to put our public works at the end of it. So a couple of different sizes and price estimates. Christy Bagwell, humble. Uh, this is actually from Ashley, who needed to leave for her son's birthday. Um, apparently, EPA was asking her for maps of water lines and sewer lines and so on. So everybody needs, maybe we should find out where all the real water lines and sewer lines and everything are running through that property and the area around it. Bill, I don't know if you can elaborate on what Ashley's talking about in her meeting with the they, EPA. They asked, they asked where these lines were, and we admitted we don't know. And so when we, when we <coughs> thank you for saying that. We should ask everybody who was watching this, if you have any information about the location of water lines, please let us know. Okay. Water water company. Company. I, I, I am going to have a call in to Stuart so that we could get what he the water company they, know, they know where his lines are now so do we want to put that on a future agenda to bring that back maybe as the next study session or all right yes it's not just water there's an old sewer system there also yeah that just was found Any other discussion on J? Okay, seeing none, we'll move on to K. Any discussion on K? All right, Mr. Finn. Yeah, would you get the price back? Let's. We will. I will report back what the lawyer tells me, then we will give you a proposal that you can look at and give us direction to proceed. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And that is on just the one property, or both, or where right are we now, at yeah. now? I'm going to come back. We'll, come back. we'll give you the opportunity to look at both properties. Okay. It will be slimmed down property with one parcel gotcha. that won't give us an access, one purchase agreement. And then you can decide is that price worthwhile to proceed? 
or go to the other property. You get to make the call. We'll do it at the next meeting. So on those properties, are we looking at, you're going to be both separated properties back yes. that we can talk about. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Two options. Mr. Barrett. Could you send that to us in email when you get it? And then so we can have it, it have it beforehand. <laughs> it's not me you have to worry about. All right. Well, yes, I can. Any other discussion on K? All right. We'll move on to 11 or L. Discussion about black regard status of Prescott Valley Water Engine. Mr. Phil. Uh, yes. Uh, is, does anyone in the crowd have any questions about that? Anyone? Okay. No. No. All right, we're moving on to M. Discuss the possible action. Oh, wait, regard. hold on. Is that M? Oh, yeah, M. M. Sorry. Okay. Discuss the possible action regarding status of the proposed fang, sand, and gravel pit in Prescott Valley. Come on up, Ms. Collins. Lynn Collins. Um, just so everybody knows, there's a state law that requires that there shall be a map of the locations of all aggregates in every town land use element. PV, of course, did not do that. I have my own opinions as to why they did not do that. Um, and ours also does not have one. But if those things were in place, maybe we wouldn't have houses built downwind of dust. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? All right. See you then. Um, and in, Mr. Sills. Already, one, I, I know, but we already discussed that, so we can. Can I just ask one thing yeah. of my council here? Do we all realize now that when someone sends an email to all of us, we cannot respond to everyone? Okay, so we can only respond to that person. Please, yes, please understand that. But I think I want to stay away from the AG. I want to say that we will acknowledge there were some unintended error violations. We've taken steps tonight to make sure the public had every opportunity to talk on each item. We've, we've talked to the council about not recirculating emails, and we will, we, we will invite them to come for us to training session. Thank you. And I'm going to get the first round of last Have you? It's close. Be careful. Don't speak. Don't speak. <laughs> All right. 9C. Discuss the possible action to adopt resolution number 24 200, approving the Yavapai County Multiple Jurisdictional Hazard Mitigation Plan. I'd like, I guess, uh, Mayor and Council, if you take a look, um, last time we had this on, you asked who represented us. It was Bruce Smith. Um, actually, it's in our, our uh, code also that it's supposed to be renewed every five years um and uh okay and uh that's about it all right we've entered them before um uh bruce smith is is one of the people uh backup is going to be beth right now okay. um bruce is gone so we're, we're going to have to replace him. so uh mr finn uh, yeah, I'd like to make a motion to adopt resolution number 24200 approving the Yavapai County Multi Jurisdictional Hazard Mitigation Plan 2023. Second. Okay, motion made by Mr. Fence, seconded by Ms. Lance. Any discussion on the motion? Seeing none, Ms. Evans, roll call vote, please. Council Member Fence. Yes. Council Member Rogers. Yes. Council Member Nolan. Yes. Council Member Lance. 
Yes. 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 Thank you, Ms. Evans. 9D, discussion on the first hearing on Ordinance 24-203, amending Town Code 30.031, Mayor and Vice Mayor Appointment, Power and Duties. Mr. Phil. Uh, yes, Mayor and Council. If you recall, on the last vote of, um, that we had for the uh, uh, Vice Mayor, um, uh, issue came up. Um, and what eventually happened is what is uh, proposed here. Uh, if we have a situation where uh, there's two or more council members um, that uh, satisfy the criteria of being appointed, um, what this does is it leaves the uh, vote to the uh, uh, remaining council members or all the council uh, yeah, I'd like to make a motion to take the additional language to the code under subsection E of the vice mayor terms as follows on 9B. I'll we second. Have have a second. We have to have a second. I yeah, I didn't think we had a motion. Oh, just discussion. Okay. It says discussion right there. Uh, all right, Mr. Nolan. Yeah, I'd like to see it where the mayor's only got a two-year term. I think the mayor ought to have his prerogative of who he wants for, for vice chair. And he would, should be able to one to pick that and uh, not the whole council. I mean, it's a two-year term, and, you know, most of it, uh, anybody who's been a, a vice mayor, they don't hardly do anything anyway, so very seldom except run the meeting if the mayor's gone. So I think that it would benefit the town, myself, if uh, the mayor could pick his vice mayor at the time for the two-year term. Ms. Lance. Um, I disagree. I like this, and I think that we should um, give direction to move to the second uh, um Hearing. hearing. Sorry, I couldn't think of hearing. Does everybody let yeah. Harry agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Miss Black, come on up. Perfect. Cleft Dewey Humble. I agree with Terry Nolan. The vice mayor doesn't do much. Therefore, it's so important for each council member to have a chance at doing it just to learn a little bit more responsibility. And so I totally disagree with you. And I noticed the mayor was shaking his head that he agreed with me. So I think it's important for each person, you know, to get a chance. Maybe they, after doing that, they don't even want to ever run for mayor. But that's just my opinion. Thank you. Anybody else? Ms. Brooks. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Council Karen Brooks Humboldt. Um, thank you for allowing me to address the, the meeting tonight on this issue. Um, first off, I disagree with the, the mayor being able to pick his, his vice mayor. I think it should be rotated so everybody has a chance. Secondly, we need a section in here that addresses um, if somebody has had a prior um, term as vice mayor 
does that include the current council or does that include say a previous term that's had a gap say like terry nolan he's you know been vice mayor i believe weren't you ever vice mayor terry i thought you were and then mayor and everything but you know then you've been off the council and then you've been back on so i think it's very important that we prioritize you know say the new members being rotated and then if they've had a prior stint on the council and they've been vice mayor or haven't been vice mayor then that comes into the rotation so i i think that we need a stipulation in there because we've had several discussions since i've been coming to the meetings and since i was on council what's the status of somebody that's been previously on the council that may or may not have been vice mayor and everything so we need to look at this again and and add that into the code since we're going to change it or or address it so we address all the problems at one time thank you very much wasn't that settled last time um with bill saying that it didn't matter when it was no so mr field will you will you confirm with that so if it comes back with added can we still have the second hearing or do we have to have another first hearing okay so so how do you guys want it can we just do an attorney opinion on it yep bring right. it back with what with the attorney suggests yep. and that way we have it That's, that resolves the questions okay any other discussion on it all right what's up come on so jason chisholm time dewey humble in the powers and duties description of the vice mayor the mayor does that allow the vice mayor to go out and be on KPPV radio station? Um, or is that only authorized for the mayor? I'm, I'm pretty Anybody sure our talk. ordinance says that we're supposed to get uh, council approval on. So did any of the council have thing. approval from the other day when Vice Mayor Jeremiah Barron was on KPPV radio station? Okay, thank you. Wait, wait, wait. For what? How was I on that radio station? You were on the radio station. We're off topic because this is only talking about the voting process. Okay, it's on the powers and duties. It's in the uh, it's on the agenda item, and it says um, discussion on the first meeting of many in town code appointment power and duties. For resolution. Okay. For, for the description. Thank you. You can clarify afterwards, Mayor. Yes. If I can. Uh, I, I just uh, talked to Beth. It was Bill that suggested this language, so it did already go to Bill. All right. Any other So do we need to have it back for a second or a first? Are we changing it? Here we are again. Well, what, what this did is this is if you have two that are at the same right. same length, right. let's say. And so it goes to the... So what, the, the what question, was Karen's question was... Is if those two were there and one that was already a vice mayor, do they get from a previous council? That's the that's what she was asking, yes, Ms. Yes. Brooks, right? Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. No, I understand what she's saying. Yes. My mind was elsewhere. I apologize. Okay. Yeah, if we change it, then we'll have to go on it. All right. So can we bring it back on a study session so that because there's no voting on the first hearing? Yes. Is there as voting on a second hearing, or do we have to wait 30 days after the second? As long as so, it's done by the year. Second, then you have 30 days until it takes effect. Okay. So. You got. So if you get with session, the attorney, if you get with the attorney. And he decides that it, the language should be different. Put it on a study session. If he thinks that this language should stay the same, put it on a voting. We have a study session after the next the meeting. meeting <coughs> All right. So we got direction. Okay. Mr. Fields, you got direction. Okay, item 10, consider any possible action special session of town meeting. There is none, so we'll move to adjourn. And we're going to adjourn at 920, 921. And we'll go slower. I appreciate it.